keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Well, well, it's the big pod. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the roast of the big show, a.k.a. Wrestle Roasts. Uh, before we start off, I just want to thank everybody for listening to the roast of Bret Hart last week. It was uh, it was one of our best episodes ever, and it was one of our most listened to episodes ever. So thank you guys for uh for tuning in and thank you all wrestling podcasts who have been putting me up the last week. I appreciate it. Speaking in speaking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan. By, by the way, ni- 95% of our listens last week came from one computer in Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> We're all getting a handwritten letter in the mail explaining why what we did was wrong. <laughs> Nobody, yeah, I, we haven't heard from Brett. Here's why I think we'll never hear from Brett Hart. Um, because we said he was a good wrestler, and that's all Brett gives a shit about. <laughs> but joining us today, he's been on the show before. He's from WrestleZone. He's a great guy, funny guy. Put your hands together for Dominic D'Angelo, everybody. What's up, buddy? Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. It's uh, Well, you guys are ruthless, let me tell you, with the Brett Hart. Uh, I could not believe my jaw dropped when I was listening to some of that shit. Look, look, you can, you can make fun of me for cheating on my wife and being estranged from the rest of my family but as long as you admit i had a two and a half star match with john pierre lafitte that's i'm I'm good (laughs) i'm gold man (laughs) i will say to that point pco did listen to the roast and said he enjoyed it so really uh, yeah he uh, he dropped me a note that he thought it was uh it was very funny so pco is the best man i mean like i I remember when i worked with him at mlw not mlw uh joey janela's thing that's where you were Dan just tells other people's stories as his life. <laughs> it was and he accidentally scary. told you your story. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I went up to him uh, beforehand and he was just he was very sweet. He explained his Frankenstein gimmick to me. It was like the opposite of what a monster does. You know, <laughs> like it was it was awesome. It's a Canadian monster. He's very polite. <laughs> He's very polite. But folks, we got to get this show going. We got a big bastard to roast later in the show. <laughs> We'll get we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do that, let's start out with the 10 count. Number one, is Bobby Lashley the silliest voice champion of all time? Uh, Mike, since you're the one uh, who came up with this, do you think he do you think he has the least intimidating, not the worst voice? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify this because because we make fun of people's promos all the time. Uh, do you think he has the least intimidating voice out of any WWE champion in history? It's up there. I mean, China comes close. Well, she wasn't a world champion, though. I'm talking about WWE. Yeah, but she was a champion, you know. Um, she she got as far as they allowed her to at the time. Um, I'd say it's her. I mean, her voice is hor- horrible. Um, is, Bobby's is up there, like because like 
he starts to talk and you realize why he's a Bobby and not a Robert. <laughs> Could you imagine if Bobby Lashley had our co-host Robert Carpolis's voice? He'd be a champion for 10 years. <laughs> He'd be like talking about being a champion and also why he hates the company at the same time. <laughs> so he'd be Bret Hart. <laughs> Robert, what do you think? First off, I mean, before we even get into that, I want to say uh, my opinion. I thought the Raw where he won was very good. I mean, I know that some people like Meltzer and Alvarez have kind of shit on it, but I watched the whole thing and they didn't. And apparently, they gained in younger viewers. So, think, yeah, because uh, he sounds like them. But <laughs> I, I, I think that he's a guy that they had a lot with for years, and the hurt business gimmick was the right gimmick. He, he deserves the championship now. This is the right gimmick. This is the right character. It's just when they tried to make him a baby voiced baby face, it didn't work. Yeah, here's Remember, the problem. We're we're excited about him being champion, uh, and then he has to lose right at Mania. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's a little. Are weird. you implying he's a transition champion of some sort? As <laughs> if I'm leaning into where we're going dun, with this conversation. Dun, well, dun, we will. We'll be going there. But silly, Robert, yeah, what, but Robert, silly, Robert, silly, Robert does the voice take away for you for me for you for the championship or no? It did years ago because his voice did used to be higher. Um, he's the only 40-something-year-old whose ball was finally dropped, and now he sounds a little bit better. And MVP has been his mouthpiece, and that's what he's needed this whole time. Yep. The, the silliest voice champion of all time has to be Seamus. I can't take anything he says seriously ever. Uh, years I used to just transcribe what he was saying, and if I just transcribe it and just add R's into what he's saying, it's the, it's the most ridiculous-sounding person uh, first, as physically imposing as Seamus is, he looks ridiculous. He sounds ridiculous. Lashley right now looks like a killer. And by not letting him go out there and, and A, talk, or B, talk with the scripted promos he used to get during my, my tenure there, where, you know, it was high-pitched and goofy, or even some of the stuff they gave him with, like, his sisters and all this other oh, nonsense. Oh, that was fucking Right trash. now, he's just, <laughs> he goes out there, he kills people, and you're like you were genuinely scared for the Miz when the Miz got in the ring with him, and that was why this was effective, and that's why Raw worked to uh, to a certain degree. He looks and dresses like a prize fighter now. It's awesome, and MVP has that kind of Don King like promoter, you know, vibe. It's really fun. Scotty, you brought up, uh, you know, Bobby's probably going to la lose to Lashley at WrestleMania. I'm not sure, like. Lashley has the physical, like both physically drew and Lashley are exactly what Vince looks for. And if Lashley is more over by the time WrestleMania happens, I, I think he's going to keep the belt on Lashley. I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Scott? I hope so. Yeah. That's what I would want. I think, you know, drew didn't work out, man. Unfortunately, well, do we know and, we didn't have a and crowd. things are opening up and guess what? He was our COVID champion and adios, pal. Masks oh, off. No, uh, Dan, no more drew. Dan, he did have a crowd. It's called the ratings, uh, <laughs> which Roman helped lift up because he's an interesting character and they've been cratering with drew because he's not. Well, I mean, the, the the opening match between Sheamus and Drew was, was awesome. I thought it was a championship caliber match. The only thing Drew's, Drew's been 
nothing with a live crowd is the beach balls that would be knocked around during his boring as oh, promo. I think that's here's, a little... here's the problem with the problem with Drew is not with Drew. It's how Vince booked him when Drew was first on the rise. When he won the Royal Rumble last year, he had all this momentum going into WrestleMania. His promos were interesting and he was allowed to be a smart baby face. He wasn't falling for, for stupid traps. He wasn't going out there and saying suffer and suck attach. He was cutting what were pretty genuine promos, but they made sense. Then at some point they, they course corrected and Vince is like, no, no, you just need to be the, I'm going to fight anybody. I'm brave heart baby face. <laughs> and that's brutal when he's, he's actually charismatic and he's funny. And when he's passionate, he's passionate. And right now he's slowly starting to get back there. But it's going to take a lot to, to, you know, wash the taste out of everyone's mouth for the last four or five months of directionless, bland baby face. Yeah, he's duller than the sword he never uses. Dominic, are you a, are you a Drew guy or are you a Lashley guy? So, I mean, I think I, I liked Drew's run so far, but I do think at this point they have to keep the belt on Lashley like you. He won it. He just fucking won it. And you're going to like take it off him right after he wins it, like within a month. It just, I don't think you can build a story that makes it make sense to that point. Uh, Lashley, as a champ, he looks the part. And I think McIntyre played the part very well. But there is that overhang of it being during the pandemic era. Probably just a bad connotation for a lot of fans to that. I think Drew is very, very charismatic and can deliver a hell of a promo, especially if he's relaxed and comfortable in his skin and, you know, the position that he's at. But ultimately, yeah, I think uh, you got to keep the belt on Bobby. And would Andre the Giant count for a funny voice? Well, let's, let's go into that. Uh, the second part of this uh, was who is the greatest transitional champion of all time? For me, it's Mick Foley, and it's not even close. Um, you know, like Mick Foley... I mean, I, I, you know, he was the transition between, you know, The Rock and Austin, even though The Rock had it when he dropped it to Austin. I don't know. I, 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 for me, it was just like, like Foley was never really the champ. He was always, you know, putting over The Rock. That was his that was his role is to, is to get over The Rock. And he got over The Rock like three times. Like he was the guy who got The Rock ready for Austin at mania 15 so that's my that's my choice how about you dominic who I, I would have to Foley's a good one um gosh as the, my favorite one though yikes i'm thinking though at the, andre's the, a pretty good answer andre's a good one i guess it, may, it would make sense to be the chic right or ivan koloff like <laughs> he transitioned it didn't he transition from bruno to uh was it was it billy was it billy graham Pedro. after that Pedro, thank you. Yeah, it was Pedro. That's Mike's answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think just from the memorable win that he defeated Bruno, I think I would give it to Ivan. Interesting, Scotty. Yeah. Uh, JBL was was a big one. I remember constantly, or or, or, or at least he was felt he transitional not though. Important. Right. Sometimes when you feel not important, you feel transitional. You know. But he like had the title from like SummerSlam to Mania. That's that's a run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was just he was just forget. built up for he was built up for Cena to, to slaughter him. So by default, I would say he was a transitional champion. Guys, what about what about this one? And I I don't know if it was the intention when it happened, but it definitely happened, and I hated it. Uh, Benoit winning at Mania and then losing at SummerSlam. I hated that. Was that transitional? That, that was not a that was course correction. That wasn't yeah. transitional. That was they they wanted to put the uh, the engine behind him. 
and it was going to be Benoit and Guerrero. And then they started to hear Chris Benoit's promos and they realized, oh shit, uh, we, we can't stick with this. And Randy Orton was too hot. They had to, they had to pull the trigger on they're, that. They're, they're like, Chris, just talk to the audience like it's your wife and kids. Yeah, someone went to a fortune teller and they were like, Vince, you're not going to believe what I saw on a crystal ball. <laughs> we cannot back this guy. Well, to me, like, you know, I, I brought up this topic, like, I, just to say, I didn't see, I don't know if Bobby is one yet, but The Miz definitely was because he had it for one week. That to me, like transitional champion. Yeah, like Kane. Kane felt like the, a to me the the best to me. transitional champion, and because it was so memorable, was Bob Backlund. Uh, not the first run, the second run, where he's the guy who beats Bret Hart, which was such a shocking moment, and then losing to Diesel in like thirty seconds in Madison Square Garden at a house show was is something I vividly remember to this day seeing it on television when they announced it's on like mania on a Saturday morning and it was a true holy shit moment it immediately pro- propelled diesel up to the top and that's what a transitional champion supposed to do he moved the title from Brett to uh, to diesel and launched a new era was it a great era debatable but at that point in time he made diesel feel important Miz in my opinion was was probably the worst transitional champion not this go around but the last time, because he was never once treated seriously as champion. He won the title as a fluke. They let him main event WrestleMania when you knew that he wasn't real. And he was just there to forward the, the rock scene, storyline. And then by the time he finally lost the title, it had lost a lot of credibility and it wasn't from the lack of him trying, but they gave him going. He feuded with Jerry Lawler and John Morrison. Yeah. I remember it on the fast lane, like their fast lane or it was elimination chamber before mania. He had a match against Lawler, which was kind of a bizarre. And it was about like, like, like I'm sorry. I just, I remember that like Lawler was kind of like, well, in a real fight, Lawler would beat the shit out of this guy. (laughs) You know, like Mike, sorry. Yes. I was going to say like, yeah, the feud was over that like Lawler had just lost his mom and like the Miz was making fun. It was the weirdest thing. But the Nas hate me now op- opening video package for the, the WrestleMania main event almost makes up for it. I think that's a top five package that mania sucks. The match sucks. But Miz in the control room listening to Nas is fucking amazing. Yes. But then they had the big inflatable Miz letters that he knocks away. And it's like, well, there there went that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was my my pick is um, Stan Stasiak. And he's the guy who loses to, I mean, who beats Pedro and then loses to Bruno a week later. But I was reading on his Wikipedia that he said the nine days he held the uh, title were the happiest nine days of his life, which I feel bad for Sean Stasiak. (laughs) 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 But it's (laughs) it's amazing because, yeah, Bruno, Bruno, yeah, like uh, Dom was saying, like when he lost to Koloff, that was eight years and then he loses it. And that's it. <laughs> like, and then he gains it again for like five more years, which is insane. And hey, what about uh, Taker, would Taker be a transitional? Champion absolutely. Every T- time he held the title. Yeah, I mean, almost every time Taker held the title, with maybe the exception of him winning at thirteen, he was a transitional champion. Right? You guys... Am I wrong on that, Robert? Zach? It I'm sounds wrong. like an insult, but it's not. I mean, no, he's it's still not. the Undertaker. He's he's one of those guys that they don't need 
at the top as champion. But yeah, the whole, I mean, him being the champion was trying to sell the this Tuesday in Texas pay-per-view the first go round with shocking, you know, beating Hogan. And it's like, Oh my God, we got to, we got to tune in and see what we're going to get. But Taker as a long-term champion isn't needed because you can, you can have a world title picture and you can have an undertaker feud. And that propels an episode of SmackDown. There's your nine o'clock and 10 o'clock hours right there. When you put the title on undertaker, you lose your extra attraction. I'm curious. Uh, how, how would you guys rank what, where would you position Miz's current transition? Did you ultimately think it paid off and it was a good job for a one-week run? Or I did. I did. I know other people did not, but I thought he did a pretty good job the past week. I mean, you know, he made the whole – I mean, I, I watched Raw from beginning to end, and I was – you know, of course there were things I thought were kind of lame, but I, uh, I at the end of it, I felt, I felt like uh, – you know, I was emotionally paid off when I saw the tears in Lashley's eyes. And, you know, I, I, I felt rewarded as a viewer. Total home run. Um, Miz, for, for a little while, and I've been saying he's USA Network's MVP. He's got three shows on the network. So by winning the title, even for a week, he was able to do media. He was able to promote stuff. When they ultimately do the Miz and Mrs. episodes about him winning the title and they can have him going home and showing the championship to his kid, they're going to run the hell out of those commercials for, for months down the road. And he's now been reinvigorated. So when he goes into this bad bunny feud, you, he's now, quote unquote, important because there's fresh pictures of him with the world title. It's not pictures of him from 10 years ago. And those are stupid little things WWE thinks about as they go forward by saying Bad Bunny and, and Damian Priest are taking on the most recent former WWE champion. That's a good way to look at it, too. I and I think Drew that. works better as a challenger, you know, and Lashley as the guy holding the belt with MVP cutting these promos about being champ. I think it's just a much better mania match than if you do it the other way around. I agree with that. Zach, are you more of a <laughs> uh, Lashley guy or a Drew guy? Uh, Lashley, all the way right now. This is the yeah. best, other best stuff other than Roman. Dan, Dan asked that while wearing a kilt. He's wearing a kilt. <laughs> I know, man. I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like those Bret Hart fans in the, uh, in the mid-90s, but with Drew, you know, like, just give him a shot. So I'm, I'm right there with yeah. you. And, and Dominic, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do respect, but I think that the way they're going to be able to sell Lashley losing and it being important mm -hmm. isn't since he's been in the hurt business, he's only, I think, lost to one guy and that was losing to Drew. He's been pretty much undefeated ever since. So once they start telling that story that Lashley has been because he didn't get pinned to lose the U.S. title, he's essentially been undefeated since last May. They can heat him up pretty quickly over the next 35 or 40 days to tell that story. That's a no, I didn't. I didn't even think about it. they'd really have protected him over the course of the past well, year and stuff. So. I I hope their fucking buddy booking committee looks at like, okay, so if we have a guy we want to protect, uh, we don't have him feud with someone that can beat him, you know, <laughs> like instead of, uh, you know, like, cause so many times, I mean, how many times have they just ruined feuds because they decided to have that match on like raw. Cause I was thinking about post mania challengers for Roman. If Roman keeps the title and the natural fit would be Finn, right? But uh, because they've already they already kind of had a classic match on a Raw, I, I don't need to see it anymore. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, there's so many of those matches that have been like done and played on like mainstream on the mainstream television, not save for a big time pay per view. It's like, what dream matches can you even formulate now at this point in time? A lot of the times, no, I, I say that if Prince Muhammad 
was a fan for a couple <laughs> weeks in 2005. We will have Lashley be champion for a while. <laughs> yes, but he's already put his request in for a rematch with Umaga. That's what I want to say. <laughs> they, they make Jey Uso gain like 100 pounds. <laughs> That's what uh, Jimmy's been doing. That's why we haven't seen him. <laughs> Number two, Connor versus Finn, Randy Orton versus Soldier Boy. If you're washed up, do you just tweet at a wrestler now? That's kind of what I got off of uh this week i'm like is is catherine mcphee gonna like tweet a tweet a tweet sasha banks to prove she's easy to work with again like what is this gonna be a new trend or all the guys that got like like is it gonna be like kevin spacey is gonna try to like fight apollo cruz or so i don't know um what did you guys think of these uh do you did you think of these uh twitter spats and uh and do you think this is just the sign of times to come we'll start with you mike well, you know that someone must be writing Finn and Connor's t- tweets for them because the C word wasn't used, which you know, <laughs> like and for two Irish guys to like talk and even pretend to be angry at each other. That's not going to happen. Um, yeah. I love the Randy Orton soldier boy feud so much because like whether it's, you know, they're in on it or not, like Randy Orton after arguing with his evil self, being the face of integrity in pro wrestling is the greatest thing. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Robert? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm all in the bag on Orton. What was so great about him was not only did he dissect Soldier Boy for being an idiot, he attacked his career with like pinpoint <laughs> accuracy. He's like, I'm a hip hop fan. Here are, all the, here are all the artists I like. It's great you had that one hit song in 2007. Thanks for trying to be relevant. Like he <laughs> yeah. destroyed him without even him getting into the ring. Yeah, it's you like haven't had a hit out. since I shat in Melina's bag. <laughs> he hasn't had a hit since January at the Legends show. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! Hey, Randy, come on our fucking show, dude. What do we? What do we got to do? You're you are the uh, you are the Wrestle Roast's favorite comedian. You need to come on. <laughs> also, like Randy, it's just funny because like, like all these people will feud with Randy and like they forget that Randy knows how to use Google. So remember like a couple months ago, like Tony Khan, and Randy got in it and like Randy just tweeted out a article shitting all over Tony Khan's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. But but that's this isn't what happened. Right. Soldier Boy didn't really start this. Soldier Boy just said, you know, sometimes hip hop, whatever is faker than wrestling, like something along those lines. Yeah. He didn't at anybody that that's a very common thing to say. Blank is faker than wrestling. And then Randy Orton is just like, trust me, Randy Orton, whether he knows what hit Soldier Boy has, he thinks he's 14. (laughs) And he's just yelling at him. It didn't make any sense to me. I thought it was really corny. Um, do you, uh, oh, oh, here's a question, Scott. Who do you want to see Connor fight when he comes to WB? Because in my mind, he's definitely going to come. Would yeah, you, so you'd hope just... Finn, right? But I don't think Vince would want that. There's no chance in hell. So who, well, he's got to be working a, as a baby face, right? So Seamus. Ugh. Yeah, he would it'll be Seamus. That that. Yeah, fucking kill me. Yeah, they, they both have funny accents and, uh, you know, or no, Vince he'll do still... Drew over Seamus, dude. He will not no, wait, Seamus, on that. Because you're no, you're not gonna have 
you're not going to have Connor. They're not lose. the same you're not gonna thing. Have Drew lose. You're not going to. Yeah, you can have Sheamus lose. I mean, Vince is still probably pushing for Big Show Connor. Like no one's broken the news to him that Big Show's gone. But, uh... <laughs> I want to see. You know, the, the, the promo wise, there's nothing better than Connor Cena. Like that's the promo fight you want to see. But you know, I, I don't know. Like, like, I think Cena's. You know, I don't know. I don't know when the next time we're going to see Cena is. It, honestly, in a perfect world, uh, Connor's Sami Zayn. But I know that would never happen. But I think that'd be fun to watch. I could see them do Connor Hunter. Oh, since, of course. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. I could see them do yeah. it. Fucking if, Vince if, would walk out oh there to God. fight Connor. Vince would be so excited. But I feel like yeah. in, in his mind, like, well, you know, he, he Vince views Triple H as a top nostalgia star in the same way we view Rock and Austin. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. Oh, Triple H and Connor, that's going to be, you know, headlines around the world. But, but <laughs> there's a nice there's a nice look to McMahon versus Mick Gregor, there's something cool about that. I mean, it it's going to be, be Shane. Shane and we'll would do yeah, Shane. Yeah. No, Vin, <laughs> Vince will think it sounds similar. He'll make Connor change his last name. <laughs> I we see. can't have two mixed. They're going to think uh, <laughs> they're not going to know the difference between the two of us. We look so similar. I, I, I see it being Triple A. Only uh, I uh, can uh, fight uh, you. As long as it's not Connor and the wrestling. Fiend. As long as it's not as long like, as I think not- that there's still relevancy. Like, I think there's way more money in him punching a Paul brother right now. There's like, I, I don't, I don't see him doing wrestling anytime soon. And if he does, it will not be on NXT because they will want people to see it. Well, they would probably bring, they would probably bring Finn up if they decided to do it. But, but as I was saying, like, as long as it's not, can you imagine Conor McGregor feuding against the fiend? He would ruin that gimmick within Three seconds. Could you imagine the fat man in a fucking Halloween costume? You know that that would be it. It would be over. Bray Bray would have to go back to being Husky Harris or whatever. But you also know that he would see uh, Finn, like old footage of Finn as the demon, and think it's okay to wear blackface. (laughs) (laughs) I could just imagine Vince trying to pitch to Connor, "Hey, I want you to scream like a bitch, like Seth Rollins did in Raw." Like to him and be like, ah, I don't know, it's gonna work. <laughs> that's like a fun. A- that's a fun few. Just hey, da 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 da. First, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Dominic, who would you want to see Conor McGregor go up against? Gosh, if I had, if I picked, like my choice would be, I'd think like I'd like to see Daniel Bryan go at him, and uh, you oh, know, that would be amazing. Have yeah. like the way that I think the dynamic between Bryan Daniel. Uh, Daniel Bryan's babyface promo and the way Connor talks and trash talks, I think it would be a good balance with one another to do. That would be my pick. You know what, Dan? Since none of us said Braun Strowman, it's definitely going to be Braun Strowman. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck. What if they got right. Brock, though? What if they got Brock? You don't need Brock. I'm shocked no one picked Riddle because Riddle essentially is he's the ex UFC guy who had to leave because he wouldn't stop smoking weed. Yeah. But nobody like Vince doesn't think, I don't, I don't think people actually think, you know, people are so people think that riddle can't fight. It's the most amazing pro wrestling, like blind thing where people think that like somehow riddle would lose to the tough guys of the sixties. Are you out (laughs) of your fucking mind? Riddle would dismantle. Any, any, I, I can't think of anybody besides Brock that could give, g- give him a run for, for his money in professional wrestling. Can you, Robert, am I missing somebody? No, but I, I concur. What's funny is having worked with Riddle, he has this energy of like, 
he's, he seems very weak and kind of a pushover. And just when you're around him, you're like, oh, I could probably take this guy. And if you Google any video and see what he can do, he's fucking terrifying. He's, he's like Haku of 2021. Right. Like, I, there's no way in hell I would ever want to mess with Matt Riddle. Yeah, yeah but, but Dick Murdoch. You see. You don't in a motel once. <laughs> but, but Daniel, what, what you don't understand is that while Matt Riddle was in Sunday school, Daniel Hodge was crushing apples in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all these guys, like, they all think, like, like that these guys they grew up with have these Paul Bunyan, like, <laughs> magical powers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, dude, they all died at 45 from painkillers. Yeah. They're not, like... Yeah. They were Dr. All Death once Uncle fucked Richie. a woman so hard, he gave her a second asshole. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, we're not going to get better than that. So let's move, let's move on to our marquee, our main event. Well, it's the roast of the big show. Uh, we are roasting the big show, folks. Uh, and uh, I am uh, I'm excited about this. Before we start, we saw the big show last night and uh, wearing a no BS shirt. I liked yeah. it. I liked it, guys. Shut oh, up. Fuck you. Save Sean. your fucking AEW come for later <laughs> on. Yeah. The show. What are you talking about? What yeah, is- man. He did a great job of pushing the evolution cool. pay-per-view, guys. It, it was written cool. Like this when Sunday he on Evolution. We're gonna be <laughs> roasting Scott, the this is a gimmick. You're you're working no. a gimmick right we're, now. We're right? we're roasting the big show. Scott's cute. gonna be edging for the next hour. Yeah, I know. You just can't wait till we get to that segment. <laughs> what, I like what? when wrestling is cute sometimes. That was cute. Oh jeez. Hey, this week it's the roast of the big show. Next week it's the suck off of Okada. <laughs> even um, Dominic, yeah, even Dominic knows this is bad, even though he clearly is Sean Spears in a costume right now. <laughs> That's I get that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get this roast going. Zach is gonna uh, is gonna choose the order. Zach, who do we got first? Mike's going first this week. Whoa! All right. The roast, uh, the greatest roaster in North America is going number one. He's he's taking the bullet. <laughs> Uh, I gotta say he's underrated and pretty good for a man of his size, but enough about Shaquille O'Neal. We're here to roast the big show. The guy who looks like if King Kong Bundy was really into QAnon. <laughs> if wrestling is a circus, as is often said, then Big Show is that sad wounded elephant that makes you feel bad for going to the circus. <laughs> Big Show was discovered by Hulk Hogan at a celebrity basketball game. There were other seven-foot-tall guys on the court for Hogan to see, but Paul was the only white. <laughs> they tried passing him off as Andre the Giant's son, and in retrospect, you see how different they are. Andre never overstayed his welcome. <laughs> He's done some acting. He had a cameo in The Water Boy, which is also how Leo Rush's name shows up in Vince's phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want if you want to watch him wallow in shit you can either see eddie guerrero dump a septic tank on him or rent knucklehead (laughs) big show is known as the world's largest athlete which is an insult to actual athletes his moveset somehow got more limited over time if your finisher goes from being a choke slam to a punch it's because they don't trust you to do anything else (laughs) he was voted pwi wrestler of the year in 1996 and i feel like just saying that will hurt bret hart's feelings more than our whole roast last week (laughs) 
how reliable can a guy be when he wrestles Undertaker at Mania and Vince says, just make sure, just to make sure it's good, let's add Albert. <laughs> Big Show is consistent. He's always gone back and forth between good guy and bad guy with the same high level of crowd silence. <laughs> he finally left after uh, 22 years, uh, which is great because uh, WWE is only big enough for one shitty overrated wrestler named Paul. <laughs> sometimes life is unfair and sometimes someone gets the exact career that they deserve which is why AEW hired Big Show to host their second most important YouTube show <laughs> his show got cancelled on Netflix because they realized it's a lot cheaper to just add a laugh track to my 600 pound life <laughs> look, look guys the Big Show show is a decent name, but I prefer the original title. Wait, he's got kids? How does he fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's it for me. Oh, man, I love that last one. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh. All right, Scott. Whoa, uh, Scotty Chaps, Sergeant uh, Slaughterhouse. All right, Big Show. Face, heel, heel, face. You've had more turns than a chubby chaser at a cornet gangbang. Oh, man. Oh, Jesus. All right, keep going. Big Show looks like a float at a Proud Boy parade. I heard, I heard he once tried to fuck the Statue of Liberty, but she said he was too green. <laughs> All White was born nine months after Lurch fucked Uncle Fester. <laughs> Which is another reason I don't want to see him on Wednesday. His <laughs> <laughs> <a> family joke. <laughs> he's, seriously, he's the first ever unimpressive giant. Like He's a giant... A giant so unimpressive, people make fun of his weight. Like, legitimately, people, like, he walks by people and they're like, holy shit, did you see that seven-foot-two guy? Yeah, what a fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, a like a pudgy monster. Like, like Paul Bunyan if he had bunions. Like, <laughs> like King Kong if he destroyed the city because Arby's closed at 10. <laughs> He looks like Prince Albert ate Fat Albert. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> oh, man, that would have been perfect. <laughs> oh, I know. Are you a giant or did Rick Moranis blow up Vern Troyer? <laughs> he, like, he looks like a giant Vern Troyer. Like, are you a giant or do you have the world's tallest head? <laughs> Once managed by Jimmy Hart while never managing his own heart. <laughs> and uh finally he is the new announcer for aew elevation uh elevation is also what his legs need to keep circulation <laughs> man that was great uh, oh. all right robert oh fuck you zach <laughs> i gotta uh <sighs> big show was the global ambassador for the special olympics it was inspiring for the kids to see one of their own find success. <laughs> Big Show Big Show is a great signing for AEW. He's the perfect commentator if you love labored breathing, which is fitting because his matches tend to suck the air out of any room. I, oh, God damn it. The next, I, I literally had almost the exact same joke that Mike wrote about Danny Bonaduce and Hogan. That's, that's the problem when you white. go later in this thing. Oh, I, you know? Damn it. 
uh, we're both equally as as uh, as racist minded. Uh, in WCW, Big Show was billed as Andre the Giant's son, which is what made Andre decide to become pro-choice. <laughs> it always made me laugh when they called Big Show the world's largest athlete, when the most athletic thing I ever saw him do was jump ship to the WWF. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, so this one's actually true. Big Show was arrested for exposing himself to a female motel employee. She said his dick was a lot like his matches, short and unimpressive. <laughs> Big Show has two children, which means he's had sex. That must be like fucking a balloon filled with whipped cream. <laughs> or fucking Big Hero 6. But just like when, but just like when booking any of his in-ring programs, it's not a good idea for him to finish on top. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. It's pretty great. It's down to me and Dominic. Zach, who oh, do you boy. got? Dominic, why don't you go ahead? All right. Okay. I'm so happy Paul White signed with AEW because I remember Stephanie Mann once telling a crying big show that if he wasn't working for WWE, he'd be working at a gas station. Instead, that fate went to Lars Sullivan, whose next feature film is titled Pumpin' Gas, Pumpin' Ass. <laughs> There's already a sequel in the works, DP at the BP. <laughs> I don't know what's harder to keep track of, if Big Show is a babyface or heel or if Teddy Hart is in jail or not. WWE apparently owns the name to Big Show's finisher, the WMD, so White had to decide to fire back at the company by giving a move different life-threatening name, firing everybody during a global pandemic. He's also <laughs> renaming his chokeslam to Where's Our Stimulus Checks. <laughs> AEW put Shaq over in 10 minutes better than WWE did with Big Show in three decades. <laughs> it's just so true. It <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> The Big Show looks so good for today's that it takes me back to his memorable feud with the Big Boss Man, or as I like to call it, the days when WWE only exploited fake father's deaths. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Big Show was such an appropriate name for Paul White when he first entered WWE because it was at the height of the Monday Night Wars, and Ron was beginning to win it. If Show debuted tonight on today's WWE, they'd be calling him the Big Over 50 demographic. <laughs> it's my last one one of big show's most memorable title runs was as ecw champion and even though it was during the wwe reboot vince made it run his run as authentic as possible by making six of his paychecks bounce <laughs> thank That's you dominic yeah no great job <laughs> all right i guess it's up to me now to, to to end this thing here we go the big show looks like what would happen if paul giamatti fucked chunk from the goonies people were expecting <laughs> People were expecting the big show to be the next Andre the Giant. Not in terms of talent. They just hope he died at 47. <laughs> big show has since announced that he's the goodwill ambassador to the Special Olympics. Well, that's one way to let us know you're joining the AEW announced team. Look, <laughs> <sighs> guys. Tony Khan wants a fat, drunk slob on commentary, and science hasn't figured out a way to clone Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible that Big Show is starting at a third major wrestling company after Chris got him his job at AEW. Come into the wrestling world as Andre the Giant's son and leave as one of Dr. Luther's daddies. <laughs> Big, Big Show and... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, that's... Big Show is the only guy to get abs and stay fat. It's like being a horseman and not getting laid, or as Arn Anderson calls it, pulling an ollie. <laughs> uh, 
Big Show and Lex Luger briefly tagged together in the mid-90s, but their promos were too electric. After you watched them, you jumped into a bathtub holding a fucking toaster. Big Show said his lowest point was being sent to OVW and ordering hot dogs from the ring. A moment the food truck guy refers to as the day I stopped flying coach. <laughs> Big, Big Show once went to jail for punching a guy at a Marriott. Did you see the video, Scott? Did you see it? No, no. It's, it's nuts. The last time we've seen a wrestler hit someone that hard at a hotel was when Miss Elizabeth took her time at the ice machine. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, the, the big show the big show once guest starred in a canceled show called Shasta McNasty, which is what I thought Cardi B called her pussy. Uh, big shows failed at college basketball, failed at sitcoms, failed at movies. It's amazing that you can watch him put a rest hold on Snitsky and say, wait, this is the thing he's good at. Uh <laughs> I feel bad for Big Show. It must be confusing to be called a giant asshole and check the back of your shorts because you don't know if they're speaking figuratively. In 2007, Big Show briefly left WWE to work for Hulk Hogan, telling the press that Big Show was his slave name. Probably not the best idea to use a slave analogy for a promotion where getting color is something you do to get back at your dad. Uh, did, did you guys uh, see the New Year's... Did you guys see the New Year's rib WWE pulled on him? A sexy baby dancing in nothing but a diaper? Are you trying to make Big Show pop or Orlando Jordan come? <laughs> Big Show has made 18 face turns, which is 17 more than Jim Ross has made in the last two decades. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And finally, I never knew Big Show's finishing move was the knockout punch. I thought the knockout punch was something the fabulous moolah gave to her girls before they met the promoter. That's it for me, guys. Uh, what I what I love about that Miss Elizabeth joke is it could either be about Savage or Lex. <laughs> hey, man, she 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 loves a guy fully, whoever she's with. <laughs> oh man, Dominic, thank you so much, man. That was guys, great. Ooh, thanks for uh, letting me sling some jokes here. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it, buddy. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing your podcast on Friday night, but what, what else do you have to promote? Yeah, so yeah, we do the two Dynamite Dudes with Attitude where we just recap AEW Dynamite. We'll go over this week's and predict uh, stuff that what you guys are doing at Revolution coming up. And then uh, we also, uh, me and my brother also do uh, WCW Rewritten where he rebooks WCW from Starcade 97 on and it's quite the task. So he's wow! Yeah. So basically what Eric Bischoff does when he fucks his wife? <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, or DDP's wife. <laughs> uh, and then also, uh, <laughs> I got an interview with, I have an interview with Al Snow that just posted. Check that out. And then. Uh, well, we're glad you didn't lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. Thanks, again. man. Great job, dude. I appreciate it, Dominic. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. Yeah, good yeah. to see you again, too. I appreciate it. Dominic yep. D'Angelo from WrestleZone joining us. Thanks, uh, thanks, I'll brother. be on the show on Friday night. I'll see you later, Dominic. You guys. guys, I guess this is as good a time to tell you as any um, who we're roasting next week. Mike, would you like to do the honors? Well, uh, we are roasting Virgil. 
That's the appropriate level of excitement. Yeah, well, you know. Um, yeah, you said it like you told somebody they have rodents. Well, I said it, I said it wondering if he could afford an iPhone and listen to it. So uh, this is this is going to be a fun one. Um, we cannot be nearly as mean to him as life has. Um, but, you know, he lost his lover, Pat Patterson, and we're going to cheer him up. Hey, and guess who's going to be roasting with us? Uh, the hilarious. Virgil. <laughs> no, he can't get enough quarters for the payphone to join us for this show. <laughs> the hilarious Chris Cubis is going to be joining us next week to roast yeah. roast Virgil. So that that should be fun. And even bigger news, ladies and gentlemen, the roast of WrestleMania. I mean, uh, the uh, blah, 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 the road to WrestleMania may have just started, but the road to WrestleMania. <laughs> begins right now because wrestlemania weekend we are going to be roasting the immortal hulk hogan well i guess before he dies or something but it's it's gonna be it's It's in three weeks so (laughs) yeah it's gonna be awesome there's nobody nobody uh nobody is more WWE than hulk hogan it will be we're gonna drop a big leg on that bald racist motherfucker. So check it out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. You will find out whether or not poor people that host a podcast can lose a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if P- Peter Thiel uh, sues us? That's right. We have that Conrad money now. We're yeah. fine. Yeah, right. we are, yeah. Or we can all just hide behind Conrad. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more of a better. <laughs> Hey, we're on the free tier system of a wrestling podcast network. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's get back into the 10 count, folks. By the way, free tiers is also how Elizabeth paid rent. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> it's time to check in with Robert Karpolis. Uh, with, with creative is nothing for you. Robert, um, we're going to be playing a little bit of a game this week uh, in honor of the big show. In and. In- I'm sure. I don't. I don't know what the fuck that means. But sure. Well, um, Big Show I, blocked I, you. Oh, that's right. Big Show did. That's block why me. I thought of There's this game. The seg- yes. There see, we go. Somehow, so Dan's not only stealing my stories before he now expects I'm telepathic. I can see where he was going. Yeah. Well, you can see transition. your stories. Yeah. 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 Let, sorry. You let try, try to again. host a fucking show. Let me try this again. I, what I picked this week and wasn't thrust upon me uh, was <laughs> this idea that uh, Big Show. Speaking uh, of Pat Patterson. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, kind of thing. Sorry. Um, Big Show uh, blocked me on Twitter. Big Show used to interact with my account. He enjoyed it. He, he actually tweeted about it maybe a couple months ago and then made a joke and he decided to block me. So Dan uh, had thought it would be a, a good idea to, to list uh, a couple of, of top tier superstars, uh, three. And one of these three has, has blocked me on Twitter. And I will say beforehand, uh, for my WWE creative-ish Twitter account. It always pisses me off when a wrestler blocks me on here because it's so clearly uh, a joke that we're doing where I'm not attacking somebody personally or really coming after them. It, it's meant in good humor. It's also uh, the so- funniest Twitter account in wrestling, and I'm not just saying that because Rob co-hosts the show. I knew Rob's Robert's uh, Twitter feed way before I knew Robert. He's It's great if you haven't checked it out. I appreciate that. In spite of my my big show roast earlier today, there I was swear some good stuff in there. Oh, it's, it was, there. it's like dude, it, would have, it was kind of it was mediocre for most of it, and then there were one or two highlights. Dude, it would have been uh, great on Twitter. Don't don't be hard yes. on. 
<laughs> yeah, Robert, you just have to start writing jokes that are like 150 characters and less. Or less yes, and I got to put a hashtag after. So the, uh, I'm going to present three different guys. Uh, all three of them have interacted with the account before. They've all replied. They've followed. They, they've, they've promoted it. And then one of these three people subsequently blocked me. And, and I guess the idea behind this uh, fantastic game show is I'm going to present the three and you guys are going to pick who you think it was that subsequently blocked me on Twitter. Who blocked Robert? Most girls in high school. Anyway, um, the three are John Cena, the the leader of the C Nation, uh, who very early on in the the Twitter account uh, was one of the first uh, celebrities, Twitter people, to respond to something I tweeted about uh, Hyundai. And he decided to tweet about how fantastic of a car it was and tag Hyundai. So John Cena, uh, number two, Dave Batista, star of Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and whatever VOD shit he's doing now. Uh, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who uh, once referred to wow, my account as, as fucked up, funny as hell, but fucked up. So it's John Cena, Dave Batista, or The Rock. Which one of these three guys subsequently blocked me on Twitter? John Cena. I'm going to go with Batista because I think Batista, out of all those three guys, uh, gets the most butt hurt. Um, it, 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 we okay, maybe not the most butt hurt because that's probably Cena, but the the guy who wears his emotions on his sleeves the most. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Batista. Like I'm imagining him in Atlanta getting the green face paint applied. He's tired. He's reading your Twitter feed on a bad day, and he's like, "Fuck this guy." I think exactly. I think you hurt his feelings on the set of Stuber or something, and he's like, "Screw." Well, hope, hope, hope we didn't read the reviews. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll say Batista as well. Batista. So yes, the the correct answer was Dave Batista. Uh, Batista followed my account from just about day one. Uh, had DM me a couple times at how much he enjoyed what I was doing, and then I made one joke about him. Uh, and I don't even remember what it was, but it, it wasn't particularly mean or offensive. And all of a sudden, he just wrote, "That's not cool," and blocked me on Twitter. So uh, thank you, Dave Batista, star of uh, whatever that he did. Yes, whatever that Zack Snyder zombie movie you're going to have on on Netflix that we're going to move past. Hey, man, Um, you you leave the fifth most important person in the Dune remake alone. (laughs) Now, now you you guys work together, right? So does he did. But he doesn't know like when when these guys interact with your Twitter feed. How many of them know that it's you and how many of them just see it as this Twitter feed? Um, most of them just know it as a Twitter feed. Uh, Orton had asked after a while, I was like, hey, some people told me you actually used to work here. Did we ever work together? And then it had to be that kind of like awkward Me Too moment where I'm like, oh, we, we work together. You were a prick, but now you're you seem like a really good guy. Um, but uh, that's one of the reasons why I, I like the I liked the account initially is it wasn't, hey, someone that used to work at the company and this is why you should follow it. It was just, hey, here's an idiot making jokes on Twitter and having done the Wrestle Roast uh, Twitter account last week during NXT where I was just screaming into an empty canyon. It made me realize how much I enjoy using my Twitter account during Raw. Well, I will be tweeting from Raw I was yelling into that void this Monday night. So 
a, a, a few a few years ago, Randy Orton sent Robert a compliment, and he sent back an MLW contract, and they haven't talked since. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, that would be like the you- one thing that would get Randy to block Robert if, like Robert, <laughs> if Robert tried to get him to go to MLW. <laughs> I don't, I don't hate Randy enough to do that to him. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, but kind of not. Well, that that we anyway. play this game again. This is a blast. I want to see like which wrestlers get the most butthurt. So. I'm excited. Let's get to number five. It's a Brooklyn brawler. <laughs> Brooklyn brawler. Brooklyn brawler. <laughs> number five. It's obituary alley with Mike Lawrence. Mike. Well, you know, I, I wasn't sure that this could be like a recurring segment where we just talk about someone who died in wrestling this week, but so far it is. Um, <laughs> we, we lost a real genuine um, legend in the wrestling business, uh, I believe yesterday or the day before, uh, Jim Crockett Jr. of Jim Crockett Promotions. Um, this guy was... Again, the tributes that he's getting, you realize how important he was. You know, Tony Schiavone was like, he's the guy who took me out of baseball and put me in wrestling. Ric Flair said, I went to Charlotte with, you know, a couple bucks in my pocket and met Jim Crockett. So, like, this is this guy of all the people that went up against, you know, Vince or that Vince went up against is more appropriate in uh, the 80s. I think that the NWA that that Jim Crockett era was the consistent best probably a be- definitely a better in-ring product and uh you know he was able to build the company enough that Ted Turner ended up buying it and you know, they were a great company for years so you know hats off to to Jim Crockett Jr. do you guys have any memories thoughts of uh, his era of of wrestling when I met him, he was nice. <laughs> I thought somebody else was going to chime in. <laughs> I, uh, I thought there was going to be more to that story. I, I, don't, I, met I, him. I, I wasn't around for any of that. You know what I mean? Um, but hearing how important he was, it makes you go, holy shit, I, I should have known more. You, you think that the person behind all of these amazing moments that I've seen in highlight reels or, or just being a wrestling fan for so long and knowing, you know, the history enough, um, you think they would push his name more like they do with Vince, but yeah, he, he ended up like, you know, he, well, he got into real estate and stuff and. Well, yeah, I think Jim Crockett, I think part of his legacy is going to be a number of cautionary tales where he built a genuinely impressive roster but he was he was the the poster the poster child or him and his promotion for why wrestling companies can't work together. When he was president of the NWA, he would try to pull in he tried to pull in Canada, and then um, Tunney's nephew Jack Tunney sold him out and joined up with Vince. He tried to pull in the AWA and work with Vern, but wrestlers are all are paranoid, crazy people. He's you know guys like Ric Flair love him because he paid them a fortune and they had the private plane and they were trying to live that lifestyle. But unfortunately it it led to ultimately bankrupting the company, which is why Ted Turner stepped in. Uh, Jim made some, some poor decisions like buying the UWF where you got some great talent. That's where you got sting. You wouldn't have had sting if it wasn't for that. Or he bought championship wrestling from Florida and he pulled in some of this talent. Um, But he made some, some big swings in his business decisions that ultimately sunk the company when they really should have been more focused on building their product and making smart decisions. 
And someone like Tony Khan today can learn a lot about some of the missteps that Jim Crockett did. Obviously, Tony Khan's working with a much larger piggy bank, but Crockett had the highs and he also had the lows that AEW theoretically could have going forward. And if nothing else, this is probably going to bring a lot of those stories to light uh, when when Tony's reading the uh, the Observer piece on it. And I, I think, you know, if he gets credit for one thing, one of the only promoters not to force his shitty kid into wrestling. So I think we got to give him that. <laughs> because they all did it and Crockett didn't. So thank you, Crockett. And I mean, like, I, still, the way that the Tony would interview the horsemen, I mean, those I still watch the Dusty and the Flair promos from that time. I mean, that's, I think that's going to be, you know, his lasting legacy is just creating an environment where those guys could just be themselves. Yeah, because I think like, you know, like uh, AWA was like a fertile ground for a lot of people to start. But then I really think that Jim Crockett Promotions was a place for them to flourish. Yes, I, I, I would I would completely agree with that. Um, let's get to number six. It's time for Scott's New Japan Corner. Scotty. Oh, oh, oh did you boys watch uh, Mox versus I did. Uh, Kenta? Yeah, we talked about I it on did. the Patreon Japan's a little bit. Strong. Oh, you did? Okay. You guys like it? it it's I loved kind it. of a bummer when it's just silence. Yeah, that was, my, it was, that was good. my review. It was, it was a good match. I uh, loved it. So that happened. And then just a few hours after that aired, uh, Castle Attack aired well two nights of castle attack and i mean the only thing noteworthy is abushi beat naito um and today actually this morning at the 49th anniversary show abushi beat el desperado um and now the ic title and the iwgp heavyweight title are going to be one title uh it's going to be the iwgp world heavyweight championship it's getting a whole new uh, design and everything like they're saying he's the first champion of it, which is that kind of irritates me. Dan, what do you think of that? That's the only thing that bothers me. Uh, I don't even I, mind uh, a new design, even though it's the, the current belt they have is the best belt in wrestling. It does bother me um, it, it, because even WWE, even though like their title history is so bad as far as like, you know, like, like, like titles disappearing and then not being important and being important again. They'll, they consider, like, if you either won the World Heavyweight title, title or you won the WWE Championship or if you won the Universal Championship, they still consider you ha having reached the top of the mountain. You know, like, so when they talk about it, it's like, uh, I, I hope that they, they don't abandon their history. I don't know, man. I'm a little bit nervous because, you know, Gato, like, last year, they, like, he totally, you know, like, sweated, you know, Vince McMahon's booking and like erasing a title history. That's kind of like a little bit of a Vince move. Yeah. So, I, I will I say know. this, that guy, uh, Chris Charlton, the, uh, uh, what is he British or something? He's got an accent. Uh, he's one of the commentators for new Japan though. And, uh, this morning while Ibushi was walking out during his entrance, he did a good job of explaining the new title and how it puts more of a focus on the fact that new Japan is where the world is focused on now um, as opposed to 
where championships would come from other countries. I don't know. It made sense. And I went, okay, that sounds fun. Her announce team is, is amazing. They yeah. The, they're great. They, they make me the feel smart, you know? Yeah. They have like the best announced team for the last five years and nobody has even come close. I'm yeah. sorry. I know I sound like I, a new like mark there. They are after them. I <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. Uh, what else happened? Oh, so. So also uh, today, the New Japan Cup started and dude, uh, Naito fought the Great Okan and the Great Okan beat Naito. Ugh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that was big. Jeff Cobb also advanced. Who do you and- like less? Uh, t- um, what's it called? Great Okan or is it Tai Chi? Who's the guy again? With no, the- I don't like Tai Chi at all. I like Great Okan. I think he's fun yeah. enough. Who gives a shit, you know? Who, who, here's a better question. Who was more uh, bored? Uh, Scott during our Jim Crockett segment or me and Robert now? <laughs> I've been entertaining myself, but that's just because I've been thinking of other things. Um, but it's funny because when you start, like, when you started talking about the convoluted title history, like my nerd brain immediately went to like WWE is like Marvel continuity, where New Japan is DC continuity, where nothing makes sense. <laughs> And when you try to explain it, you sound like a crazy person. Uh, what I did, what I, I've been looking forward to this segment all week for your Scott's New Japan Corner because I want to do the I told you so from a week ago. Marty Skrull edited it out of the yeah, uh, of edited the stuff it out. I said a week ago, it's not going to fly. They don't want to jeopardize stuff with, with AEW. And I feel like they got a lot of pressure. And now Marty uh, no longer exists like whatever the IW something title is. Yeah, because also, I mean, you know, speaking on what what Skrull did, so you heard about the uh, Joey Ryan apparently was running some charity show for like women. What a fucking (laughs) nut job, right? I mean, this guy eats brains. You got to check his fucking refrigerator. That's a that's a that's a strange dude. That what a crazy like I I kept laughing like like I'm like. Like, did he do this? Like, was it like, oh, no, it's Johnny Ryan school of wrestling. And he's got yeah. like a fake mustache over his real mustache. <laughs> yeah, he's absolutely bonkers. But um, but Tony Khan tweeted like none of my wrestlers will be there if Joey Ryan is involved. So clearly Khan never wants to work with Joey Ryan. Um, and Joey Ryan was at all in. Remember, he came out with the dick. uh all the dicks the floating dicks oh yeah the dick druids yeah dude aw Uh, told us they were gonna be fucking cheese man from the start (laughs) the fact that you've managed to turn even this segment into a pro aew speech at the end is impressive (laughs) i love that it is it is unbelievable (laughs) by taking down joey ryan oh hey but also so also uh new japan which surprised me but Juice Robinson uh, actually wrestled this morning and he has an afro now and like disco pants. Totally different than what last week on Impact. He's like uh, a flashback. He, he's like a flashback character in Startsky and Hutch or, or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. He's different. Are, are, like isn't, isn't it going to be? It's it's Gallows and Anderson versus uh, Finn Juice coming up, right? At Impact? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But no, he's back in Japan, so I don't know what the hell's going on. Also, dude, they announced uh, so two shows in May. One is at uh, Yokohama Stadium, which is like a baseball field. And then they're doing a Tokyo Dome show May 29th, which is they don't do that, you know? So that's weird and interesting. And I wonder if maybe they plan on opening up and they want a huge crowd or something. And I don't know. I was going to say, Juice Robinson sounds like an evil pimp that Starsky and Hutch fought. 
(laughs) (laughs) All right, number seven. It's time for this week's show in hell. This week we watched the uh, Terry Funk Onita match from FMW. I had never seen it before, and I made these guys watch it. Let's start with Mike. What did he think? Well, yeah, often this segment is like goofy or, you know, the weird stuff. I, I get why, you know, I think this was really good to watch for the pay-per-view coming up. This was amazing. This was unbelievable, badass. Like, there's that part of me that I don't I don't know if I should say too much because I want people to see this and seek it out. It's on YouTube. It is like heavy metal. It's, I mean, Terry Funk and Onita were just like awesome because – this isn't a, just a death match. There was real psychology here. And the ending is one of the top five endings in wrestling I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Wow. Big what do you think, Scott? for Mike. Uh, yeah, I loved it. It, it, it. It's one of those things that puts you in a feeling, in a place. It's like watching a different movie than other movies, you know? You, like, you watch it and you go, man, I miss Mel Gibson for some reason, you know? You just go, like, I miss, like, those like train wreck movies. Why did you look at me when you uh, said you miss Mel Gibson? <laughs> oh, I didn't look at you. Every time I will get you, Robert, I miss Mel Gibson. <laughs> By the way, Scott didn't say I miss Mel Gibson movies. He just misses <laughs> Mel Gibson. <laughs> it's just there's just something really fun and badass about it, and uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought it was super cool and bloody, and it made me nervous for Sunday because. What are they going to do? And are, I mean, they're going to wear different outfits, right? You got to wear a shirt during a thing like this. I mean, the one thing I, I forgot to mention, and this is right at the beginning of the match, the fucking referee is in like a futuristic uh, beekeeper costume. It looks, so, yeah. it looks like, like what, what Bjork wears to go to sleep. It's like, it's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like summer theater Tin Man. Yeah, it's so awesome, but it immediately adds to like the weirdness and the rareness of like, that I've never seen that before. Like a, a match is so dangerous that even the referee is wearing extra protection. Like, just- well, so so here's what I didn't like about that. Uh, it it is so good that if they don't do it on Sunday, I might not like the match. Yeah, that's but how also, cool that you, referee thing was. You know that it's that's perfect. What, you know that that's what Kenny and Johnny like. Oh, like, they, they better. You dude. know they love that. Like this, this, this match is a wrestling nerd match. Like it's so nerdy. It really is. It's pretty feel, awesome, man. Dude, we might get a shot for shot remake of Funko Nita. No, then, we will not. We might. <laughs> no chance. You, you think it's like Vince Vaughn doing Psycho? <laughs> I, I loved it. The only thing is, like there, there was one knee breaker that terry funk did in the beginning where he just kind of gave up on it <laughs> uh, he, it was like but besides that i love uh, anita's uh, ddt and at the end when like anita looks like he's about to cry when funk leaves and the and the guitar solos playing oh. like i'm kind i was kind of like genuinely touched but uh robert what do you think of this are we are we uh are we just becoming uh, young boys right now what's going on so here's the deal i got the email with the, what we're going over this week. And I'm like, all right, I have to watch all of AEW and all of NXT. And I kind of forgot to watch this. Uh, I have seen it. I saw it years ago. I don't love, oh, I don't go. love barbed wire matches. Um, it, like the Sabu one. It's just, it, it's one of those things that it's tough to watch. And I, I, I will go back and watch this before the, uh, the AEW pay-per-view. And I'll, I'll give my thoughts on it during the Patreon on Sunday. 
Um, not, not that it was, hey a look at that, a little, a little plug. Uh, but, um, I'm, I'm kind of curious because you guys really built this up and I'm trying to think back if it really had that much of an impression on me. Well, for me, it's not a great wrestling match, but it's a great spectacle. You know, like it's a fun spectacle. That That's, that's my belief. Um, and I, I think it needs to be said. It's only as good as it is because of the two guys involved. Like there's, there are moments of psychology. It's not just a blood fest. Like one of the things that's really cool that, that I really loved about it at the beginning was like Terry just tries to keep getting these fast pins. And like, that makes sense because he doesn't want <laughs> to get hurt. Right. You know, like I, I think like old era death matches, you know, a lot of the stuff where it was more smart about like, well, we have to do this but I'd still prefer not to make so much more sense than guys purposely cutting themselves as much as they can, where the whole thing is how much can I get hurt? It's when there's a, a story behind it and it's, well, I'm willing to get hurt. Like this match was, I think it, it, it works. And, and I do think that that'll be more the feeling on Sunday. How about that last shot when Onita ran in and protected Terry Funk before the bomb went off? Yeah, that's what I didn't want to spoil, but fuck it. Um, that was <laughs> the greatest thing. That was the dude. It was, I lost it. Like I, <laughs> I started crying. Like yeah, I've never seen anything that epic in wrestling. Like that cinematic where it still was in front of a crowd, but the ring is about to explode. And Onita. So this sounds like is this in your new top five matches? It might be. It's pretty great. Because it's like, <laughs> yes. look, like the commentaries in Japanese, like the only storytelling that you get at all is from watching it, but you get everything that you need to know. You know, they say they're doing the storyline, the uh, Onita Terry Funk storyline. It has a lot of parallels with the uh, QT Marshall Lee Johnson angle. <laughs> that, that, uh, Oh, it's a, the, the watching those guys wrestle is as fun as uh, hitting your head against exploding barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> since we uh, when, since we mentioned Patreon, uh, let me let you guys know what's what's coming up. Patreon Sun Monday morning, we're gonna have our uh, revolution review, which should should be a blast um, this weekend, man. If you're a fan of of like uh, MMA and WWE, this weekend is fucking tremendous. You got SmackDown on Friday. And New Japan Strong on Friday. You got Saturday. You've got like one of the be- biggest UFC cards in history. Sunday, you've got Revolution. And then, if you want, you can watch Ring of Honor afterwards. A lot of stuff to do. I don't know why I'm mar- I'm, I'm promoting everybody else and not us, but uh, we're going to be doing Revolution for this week's Patreon and next week's Patreon. It's going to be a bonus roast, the roast of Teddy Hart. Uh, <laughs> check it out. Uh, we may, you know, me and Robert may stay on and review SmackDown after the roast of Teddy Hart or whoever can do it. But um, we will definitely be doing the roast of Teddy Hart, not this weekend, uh, but the week after. So it'll be roast of Virgil and then Patreon roast of Teddy Hart. Check it out. It's going to be it's going to be a blast. Uh, What's great is you could just use your leftover Virgil jokes for Teddy Hart. <laughs> and uh, another thing that I want to mention next week's show in hell, just in case you guys want to watch it. Before uh, before we review it is going to be Caitlin versus Maxine, and this is all Mike Lawrence's recommendation. So if you hate this match, just DM Mike. And 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 to our listeners and and to uh, my fellow co-host, the commentary is eighty percent of the joy. Yes. <laughs> 
Who's who does commentary? I believe that it's Cole, it's Cole. and Matthews. Is it Matthews and Cole? Do they just bury it the whole time? Oh my god! Oh, don't, it's, don't it's... spoil it. As soon as you, okay, as soon, this right. is the first time I'm hearing we're doing this. As soon as you said it, I knew exactly what we've got in store. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I um, love that this is the uh, Onita versus Funk of NXT 2013 women's matches for Robert. <laughs> I might cry by the end of this. <laughs> It's the most human you'll ever see, Michael Cole. <laughs> All right, let's get to number eight. AEW Dynamite versus NXT versus watching Jim Cornette watch AEW Dynamite. Um, let's go through it. We're just going to go through the shows last night. Obviously, last night um, last night was a night that, that AEW had to win, and I think... I think it's I think it's debatable, but but we'll go into it. Um, you know, let's switch it up. Let's let's do the next. Let's do NXT first. Um, we started at we started out with um, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher against our tag team champions Imperium. They kind of ran uh, they, an odding. They, they started with oh, Danny, sorry, Danny sorry. Birch they, and uh, Danny Birch, Orny Morgan. I, I got ahead of myself. Uh, Danny Birch and Oni Morgan uh, won with help from interference from Imperium, setting up a story of, you know, Timothy Thatcher uh, being kicked out of Imperium or, or leaving Imperium. And now Imperium is going to get its revenge. I thought the match, you know, I thought it was good. I, I liked the guys more than I liked the match. Uh, what, what did you guys think of this, Robert? I thought it was a solid match. It was telling a pretty good story. Um, I think, uh, Birch and Lorcan, they're, they're developing a personality, which is definitely helpful as the tag champions. I'm a big fan of Thatcher and Ciampa as a team. I think they're gelling really well. It was a really solid match. The finish was kind of goofy with Imperium leading to the distraction, but they're clearly telling a story going forward, so I like that there was some momentum, and, and I'm all about just watching Thatcher and Ciampa as a team. Yeah, but they're going to be breaking up now. Isn't that the idea? It's it would it would seem that way, but Which, that sucks. I mean, because then what? Scott, Scott, what do you think about like because we, we we give AEW shit for this all the time, and NXT kind of pulled it last night with uh, the WWE expecting us to know that Timothy Thatcher was in Imperium. I, I, again, it's like you guys got to let us like at least oh, a week yeah, beforehand, yeah. at least at least the week or two beforehand, let us know that he was an Imperium. I, I don't know. Uh, let's move on. We have a uh, we have a package with I'm kind of doing this all over the place as far as not like the order of the actual show just because I pulled up cage side seats um, cheap plug for them and that's the way they do it. Uh, Johnny Gargano uh, had a uh, segment with the way. It was a fun stable, but I don't know, man. I just think fucking Dexter Loomis is is death. He should he should be. It's just it's just stunk, man. It, dude, it's just, it's just like the a lot. Come on, man. He's like the. Like he should be in an Elias spot, not not the spot that he's in now. I think Ugh. that Johnny Gargano does this thing in comedy that he thinks that saying the punchline twice is more important than saying a good punchline once. Um, and he does this a lot. Like his comedy instincts are just bad. I think Austin Theory is actually funnier. Really, I, I would think Johnny was funny. I think Candice LeRae is the best out of all from as yeah. far as acting, but. Yeah, I, but, know, I think he's pretty funny for a wrestler. 
I I mean, it is very rare. And I, I think I mentioned this recently. Like, you never see someone in a wrestling skit that isn't a wrestler. And maybe maybe this woman was one of Mula's uh, in in her harem or something. But the woman who played the therapist, like, is she a writer? Is she is she a costume designer? Is she you know a Levesque? Like, she- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Um. We got a promo from Eli Drake. I didn't. I think he's really good on the mic. I didn't love this promo. I thought it was a little generic. Uh, what did you think about this promo, Mike? I thought this was terrible. I I thought this was everything I didn't like about NWA Power, where they're just doing an impression of a Crockett era promo. They're just like it has all the cadence and stuff, but not signifying anything. Nothing like personal or unique. He's just doing an impression of an '80s wrestler. And Robert, so- you think Mike's being too hard on him? No, I think he's being too generous. Um, you know, wow. this was th- this was death, and I felt terrible for this guy because he kept repeating himself. He clearly lost where he was going partway through. When he was Eli Drake, he had some charisma by default by being an impact. Like, you're the best of what there is on impact. He needs a a truly scripted promo when he's out there and he's like it was it was incredibly generic. It was you know I, this isn't my dream. This is business and I'm here to make money. And I you know people say I'm the best there is in NXT and I believe it made no sense. And he can talk. You just need to give him what to say. This is why people need scripted promos. No, what are you talking about? Could it be that they gave him a scripted promo? I mean, this is the WWE. No, this is yeah, Scott, good. Scott brings up a good point. No, this is this is NXT. They, they gave him bullet points because they feel like they can trust him. His little his his previous little pre tapes when he was standing outside of his shitty apartment or parked in his car. Those have been really good. This those were good, and this one felt yeah. like you you put him out there. You gave him too much faith, and he he sank. And I felt, yeah. I felt bad for him. Look, he's got to get used to this L.A. night skin, okay? Give him a couple <laughs> weeks. Just Cameron, even... Cameron Grimes went up against Bronson Reed. Are you, are you a Bronson Reed guy, Mike? I would think that he would be right up your alley. Uh, I like Sabloda Joe. Uh, think... <laughs> 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 he does. He looks like Samoa Joe washed up on a beach. Yokozuna? Recently, the... Like, if you made a person out of farts, that's what he looks like. He looks like he's made out of farts. Like, hardened, solidified farts. I mean, he's good. Uh, I will say that um, the Cameron Grimes, uh, the skit leading up to this match and all that, like, Cameron Grimes outside the ring, like, he is a very good wrestler in the ring, but he's not unique in the way that he is outside the ring, where he really sticks out, and then once he has a match, he's just having an NXT match. Well, because he doesn't wrestle like Cameron Grimes, he just wrestles like a good wrestler. Yes. What do you think? See that? I mean, I really like him in the ring, but I I can also see that. Just a little more cowardly, a little more like playing into the comedy a little bit more. Like there were just moments where it became more back and forth. I think that if you're trying to push this gimmick, him winning with a finisher against a guy that big isn't a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Dakota Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. What did you think of this, Scott? I didn't see this match. I'm upset Um, I used my Sablota Joe joke already. (laughs) Uh, Anybody have anything to say about this match? I mean, it was kind of like this was awesome. You know, I what the finish on this was was awesome. 
Um, you like that finish. I, you didn't think it was too dusty. It's it's very dusty, but you're actually telling a story. You know, one of the criticisms of NXT is here's a bunch of wrestling and we're not telling any kind of story with an angle. So this idea that Adam Pierce, Mike Lawrence's favorite authority figure, comes out there and they bring a raw referee to screw over Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez when the the wrong person was tapping because she wasn't legal. And they kept hyping like, that's a raw referee. That's not an NXT person. Maybe they're actually going to tell some kind of an interesting story of remembering that NXT is a brand as opposed to just floating out on an island on its own. So I'm, I'm intrigued that you're going somewhere with this. And, you know, they, the fact that they had the Adam Pierce, William Regal thing backstage after where they were screaming at each other, you didn't know why. When they did that NXT invasion uh, because of uh, the Saudi family uh, allegedly uh, kidnapping the entire uh, roster and SmackDown roster, when they had the NXT guys show up, that was really interesting. And I feel like if you're going to tell a version of that story here, I'm intrigued and they're trying to to hook people into the show rather than just we have you good. Don't, you don't think that this is you don't think that this is just setting up the NXT tag team titles for the women. I, I, I that's the impression I got is that they're gonna have a new title next week. They could, but I think this is more to the main roster trying to protect the titles and not letting them fall into the hands of the NXT uh women. Yeah, well, no, because it just said, because Regal said, because of what happened in the women's tag, I'm going to make an announcement next week that will change the landscape. So I, I figured that was it. Let's just get to the main event, Adam. Can we just use something to Robert's point that yeah. I remember a couple weeks ago, you're like, oh, you know, they just picked Adam Pierce to be an authority figure that they could get in and out. And he doesn't need to take enough time, a lot of time. He's on every show now. He's on all three fucking shows. He has more screen time than anybody else and still does nothing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and it all feels like practice, right? Every time yeah. he goes on, it's like he's practicing to do what he's supposed to be it, doing. It feels like the stage manager stepping in for the actor because the actor's. Like, yeah. That's what it feels like. Do you but think, I, Albert, do you think not enough Adam Pierce? Too much Adam Pierce? I think that Vince likes how awkward he is on TV, and there's a fucked up version of Vince where he will intentionally keep putting Adam Pierce on there just for that. It's what he used to do with Tony Chimmel for years. Anytime Chimmel would have to be given a lot of verbiage, it would be uncomfortable for Chimmel to do it. So Vince would make sure that Tony has to read every word of a stipulation for a match and make it as long as possible because it makes him laugh. So I feel like part of this is all right, Pierce, we're going to put you on TV a lot, and you're going to have to carry all of these segments. What a crazy person. That's why That's why Howard, Howard Finkel fucked himself by enjoying everything. Like, <laughs> yes, you can take my tuxedo off. God damn it, that wasn't the point of the joke. <laughs> all right, our main event, Finn Balor against uh, Roddy Strong. Thank God it wasn't another Roddy Strong promo. Again, Roddy did an amazing job in the match. I'm going to pitch it again. Hey. Big Rod Machine, put Kane Mask on Roderick and have him speak with a voice box. That's how you get the guy over. <laughs> yes. It would still, it would Rod still whine. <laughs> it would still whine. But the match itself was very good, and of course. I'm excited about uh, Finn Bauer versus Adam Cole. My question is, is there any chance in hell that they put the title on Adam Cole next week? Scott? <sighs> like this week before WrestleMania. If it was after WrestleMania, I would say absolutely, but... I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where they're going with any of this. Like, so the Undisputed Era breaking up. Here's the thing about it. It it means the Undisputed Era is never debuting on the main roster. They're done. That's weird. 
And so now I, I, I view this entire thing as like good, just so small. But Scott, here's the problem. If they would have been on the main roster, they'd be losing to retribution in three weeks time. So the fact that Undisputed Era had a complete arc in NXT and, w- and it was untainted for the most part, let it sunset. You, you told it the just, rise of just... them and now the fall of them. And then wherever they wind up going forward, when Roderick Strong is on SmackDown as like the wrestling chef, like you're like, oh, I remember all the good stuff we had in NXT versus we're now bringing this up to the main roster and they're going to wind up fucking it up. But but it's I mean, it's holding a, back a, a faction. I mean, but, you, you can't say they're one of the greatest factions because they're not. Um, well, yeah, that's also, true too. But you know, but give them the opportunity. Very they could be. They could be. Adam Cole looks like James Elworth with a chin. So there's no <laughs> way you would even want him on the main roster. Like, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to AEW Dynamite. We should start by saying this didn't crack a million viewers. And they had Shaq, uh, which, you know, like before we get into the match itself, which the match, you know, Shaq did a really good job. Uh, you know, I, you know, like I mean, he did it as good of a job as you can ask a celebrity to do in a match like that. I think, you know, him being one of the best 10 basketball players of all time. I think we slept on the fact that, oh, if he's one of the best 10 basketball players of all time, he may be able to remember physicality. You know, like an hour. That may be something he's very good at, you know. Uh, So I I thought it was a I thought it was a good match. I thought Jade Cargill uh, was the star of the match. She looked amazing and she could really be somebody for him. Uh, The whole, you know, like the, 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 you know, the move they had with with Shaq going through the table. The one thing that really pissed me off was Cody not selling the power bomb? like just uh, 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 like, like within five, like 10 seconds later, he punches Shaq in the face. I'm like, that looked like it like hurt. Not only did it look like it hurt, but he was like, you know, using the power of Brody Lee. So why are you, why are you up that fast? I don't know. What did you think of this, Scott? Yeah. I, I think in that moment he was, it was supposed to be a Hulk up moment, but he didn't sell that aspect of it enough. So it just came off like he no sold it uh, because right after that, he also slammed Shaq. Uh, I, I loved this. I thought this was awesome. Like, seriously, I thought this I thought we were going to laugh at this and it just worked. It just did. Um, I like that it did revolve more around the women uh, and that Jade got the pin. I thought it was awesome. That Shaq bump was better than any celebrity bump recently. Right. I mean, it depends if you consider the Pat McAfee. Oh, okay, um, the Pat McAfee yeah. match isn't as good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not as good as that. Yeah, what what did you think of the, what, what did you, what did you think of this, Robert? I think uh, given what it was, this is it exceeded expectations. But then again, I had extremely low expectations for this. I think there was an inordinate amount of flop sweat going on with Cody during this match because he knew he was carrying everyone else in here. Shaq did did fine. He did what a celebrity who grows up and loves wrestling does. He did the footwork moves. He did the test of strength. He did like, I have a checklist of things I want to do growing up as a fan. And he got to do them and he wasn't embarrassing. Cody, the, the, my, my whole issue with this going forward was you never understood if Cody was going to be a babyface or heel in this story. And then the way he wrestled this match, he kind of was like a chicken shit heel for most of it, even though he was the guy trying to avenge what happened to his wife. Jade Cargill could be very good if they keep her off TV for a while. She, every time she does a move, she poses like she's in Mortal Kombat. 
which is very confusing. She's like, I have my special taunt I need to do right now. Yeah, but what a physique. Yeah, oh, Tony Schiavone going over the top on her was uh, <laughs> that was that was he forgot the microphone was on half the time. But like <laughs> the figure four spot with her and, and uh, Red Velvet was enough to, to take them off TV. JR was really flat during this match. He seemed like he was going through like this was WWE going through the motions, even when Shaq went through the table. It felt like he was Jim Ross playing uh, a Jim Ross impersonator, which was uh, a, a little weird. On the plus side, shocked this didn't get over a million viewers because not only did you open with Shaq, but who was outside the ring? QT. And that alone, <laughs> between QT and then the gun club hitting Shaq with a chair. I mean, you were putting oh your my biggest God. stars at the top. It was, it was so funny because me and Mike were texting throughout this. And every time, like literally every time Mike would say like, Oh, this is pretty good. Like the gun club would show up or the shot or Sean Spears would be revealed as the mystery. attack. He jinxed every, every time he texts, he jinxed that fucking show. Mike, what did you think of this match? I mean, yeah, like this was, this was fun. I mean, I, I would have trusted it to go last. I mean, I know heaven forbid women in the main event on AW show, but hey, try it. You know, I think that, uh, yeah, the gun and QT stuff, infuriated me because it's like they were you had four months they were never a part of the story at all now they're just in it because the nightmare family like if you want new people to watch your show and be accessible then be fucking accessible and uh i mean the spot of the night it was really funny was red velvet needing qt's help to set up the second table Really made. <laughs> I mean, I think that yeah. If Jade was kind of like the star here, do you think when QT does something well, like Cody, like James Cromwell and Babe says, that'll do, pig, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, I and there was even a moment like where he's directing her on which way to flip the table. Like it's 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 really uh, sad. Uh, I mean, because Red Velvet, like. She was the Orndorf in your WrestleMania one. She did exist just to get the pin, but I don't think that she was done any favors last night. And, you know, they talked about her win streak. We never really saw her on Dynamite win a match. She wasn't in the women's tournament, so she was a complete afterthought. I thought Jade, I agree with Robert a little bit of keep her off for a while, but I think at least once a month, like, there's something special there. Have her in some squashes because they don't have a lot of women with charisma and media savvy and the following that she has. And I thought like, you know, she came off like your classic 80s pro wrestler and and Shaq over delivered. I mean, I think him and Cody were probably in the ring, what, like three or four minutes in a 12 minute match, but. He didn't fuck up at all, and it was great. The The post-match angle was really goofy and fucking stupid, but the match itself, like, over-delivered. The post-match hour and 40 minutes of this show was pretty fucked up and stupid. Uh, when, you, <laughs> when you consider... When you, yeah, let's let's get yeah, Robert. Because uh, Mike and I were. What do you this. think? Do you think they made the you? Do you think they made good use of this card? Absolutely not. Or no. no. The, no. The, this was. This, this is one of those situations where, where Vince could have watched this show and been like, all right, we'll be fine for a while. Like, AEW has not figured it out. They have all of this talent. They have all of these opportunities, and it's ready, fire, aim. And I think that's what's really problematic here. You were theoretically getting a brand new audience from this. I have This is one of those where 
friends of mine who don't watch wrestling anymore were like, I had two different people text me like, hey, I saw Shaq was on wrestling last night. Did you see it? And I was like, yeah, but if you would have watched this show and you wanted to be hooked for the rest of this broadcast and you were getting lapsed fans or new fans, you have Moxley, you have Kenny Omega, you have Sting, you have all these guys. You come back to Shaq's missing an ambulance and then a Pac and Phoenix squash match. And the rest of this show felt really disjointed and it wasn't open and inclusive. They Clearly, they wanted to do like some sort of high flying stuff after the Shaq thing. But I don't know why they made it a squash. You made it a squash match with these guys who I've never like John Schuyler in D3. I don't know who the hell these guys are. This could no. have been Butcher and the Blade against Pac and Phoenix. Have Eddie Kingston talk the audience into staying and give them a decent little match and be like, hey, here's cool shit we do otherwise. A- a- was Eddie even on the show last nope. night? Nope. You didn't have him on. There was no Moxley. There was no Kenny on what's supposed to be your go home show where you have theoretically a brand new audience. If you if they would have really put forth their best effort on this show, you could have built new fans for people who were tire kickers who just wanted to see Shaq wrestle. And I disagree, Mike. I think you had to open with Shaq because there were people who were just tuning in for this. And I think they were really hoping to get over a million for the open and be like, look at this huge number we just did and coast on it for the rest of the broadcast, even if it trailed off to uh, this felt like a Saturday night's main event. Next up, we have uh, another match that everybody was kind of excited about, and that is the Jurassic Express. I, th- I think I may be skipping. Oh, you skip the but... inner circle 20 minutes of talking. Right. Let's talk about that. Um, I apologize. Inner circle. Uh, I mean, you know, I guess I'm one of my mark out moments of the week, which I'll talk later was, was Conrad being called Turkey tits. I mean, that was <laughs> absolutely incredible. You know, this segment was in my mind, kind of a microcosm of everything that works and doesn't work about AEW. You have Jericho and MJF uh, who are, you know, without a doubt, it, we, it, you know, the two funniest guys in wrestling, as far as promos um, and, and definitely in the top 10 promos of wrestling, and, and then, you know, you also have the first question not being mic'd, yeah. you know, and that for me is, is dynamite. It's, and it makes me really nervous about Sunday that they're doing an exploding barbed wire match and they couldn't mic the first question. Uh, that could be some sort of a, some sort of a safety hazard. What did you think of this, Robert? This was uh, to your point, Dan, this was everything good and bad about AEW all at once. Uh, the weird audio, the fact that you're relying on, niche within a niche for the audience where it's like, Hey, it's Conrad, the guy from podcast. Hey, it's Eric Bischoff, the guy from podcast. Hey, we're going to make a joke about Nick Jackson's thinning hair. But then they now, after we saw Papa Buck get his ass kicked, we're now going to tell the story of why he was so important to the young bucks formative years. This should have been a video package with them talking about, it was a compelling it should have story. been done three weeks ago. It, was, it should have been done three it weeks ago. Made more, it, I would have cared more about seeing this guy get his ass kicked if they would have talked about how important our dad was, we couldn't afford to go to college. He built this ring for us. He was really supportive. And then when I see that, you know, the bad guys beat him up, I'm going to feel bad about that. And then the, the, the last thing that drove me nuts was they're taking the shot at Jericho, about if there was no Papa Buck, there'd be no AEW, which means you'd be jerking the curtain at the performance center. Stop talking about WWE. They're not going to talk about you. It, it, it feels regressive on your end. Well, they did have the Robert Stone character that was the Tony Khan character. Yeah, but it, it, I think that's just – I don't think Vince even realizes that's a Tony Khan character. I think he just thinks, all right, this guy's being obnoxious. But you don't have to, you don't have to be that winky and smart for your audience. They, but also, they get it. 
if he would be curtain jerking at the performance center now, why is he headlining your show? Yeah. <laughs> it just makes them look fucking stupid. Yeah, that, 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 and it, it's not even true. Jericho would be on Raw. Yeah. Jobbing to jobbing to Drew to get Drew ready for the main event of Fastlane. That that's exactly where Jericho would be. What did you think of this, Scott? Uh, I th- I thought it was fine for what it was. Yeah, it's like super inside. I do not like getting Papa Buck involved at all. Uh, but I do think it was the Bucks' best promo. I mean, I don't even know what that's saying, but I think it was. It was their best promo, without yeah. a doubt. And and I, they did stick the landing, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, they figured it out, and I know the match is going to be fun come Sunday. Yeah, it's really... I'm excited. Next up, we have uh, the big show making his AEW debut. Oh, no, but first, we had to- this is totally an FTR. Right. I, I don't have. Oh, sorry, uh, I, I, I don't apologize. I, I don't have the order. What I have is oh, then, if you do you want to take oh, yeah, it away. The, I'm fine. sorry. I got the notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah okay. While well, you guys were watching great barbed wire matches, I'm taking notes about Tully and FTR <laughs> with JJ Dillon. First off, Tully's fucking gear in this was amazing. It, it was, is that okay. not what Bill oh, Murray? God. Is that not what Bill Murray wore in Kingpin? It's or life aquatic. It's like a combo of both. <laughs> I loved it. And and JJ Dillon just looks like if like Colonel Sanders became a trial lawyer, I fucking love it. <laughs> JJ Dillon hasn't aged, which is really scary because he looked this old 30 years ago. Um, I did feel bad when he couldn't get his foot in the ring after the match. They had to like help him in. Um, but uh, the match overall was, I thought it was fun for, for what it was. But the challenge here is Tully is the nostalgia act and that by default kind of makes them the baby faces. So when you have a giant dinosaur beating up Tully Blanchard, who am I supposed to be cheering for? Uh, Tully was almost sympathetic in, in some ways, but uh, overall it was, it was fine. The post-match thing where Arn comes out and, and holds up the, like he's doing the rubbing his chin, like hmm, Arn's not a, a great actor. And then they hold up the four fingers after Sean Spears, his appearance when Arn did that Arn has gotten so big it looks like he was just saying i took two shits two number twos like he just like i just took two number twos you know like that's that's what it reminded me of i i also wanted to say like i really i really like the match but you're right robert like they would it would have been so much more effective if half the match it was just totally like fussing with marco stunt's hair like rubbing his head against the mat like that's what i would want to see but instead you know you had the beginning of this like kind of new four horsemen group, which like David Shoemaker had a better pitch than AEW where he's like, I hope Cody joins and they start like a new four horsemen, which I think that would be a good fit. But right. um, instead it's four Paul Romas. <laughs> four Paul Romas. <laughs> and it's dude, it's not, there's nothing sadder than Sean Spears coming back with Cody's hairstyle. That is one of the saddest moments. God, he sucks. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I have clever puns and look alike jokes and all that, but sometimes you just got to say for what it is. He fucking sucks. And when it was <laughs> revealed great. to be him, you're like, oh, okay. Like, At least he's not doing the glove thing here, anymore. Here's the thing. It's not a return if no one noticed when you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be said. If no one misses you for a bunch of months it's not a surprise that you came back <laughs> oh i guess he's still here all i thought was i pictured peyton royce dying his hair like that was the first thing i thought yeah. it's like this is my big break honey can you please help me with this 
Dude, so yeah, my thought when I saw him show up, uh, my my thought my first thought was like, oh, they kept him and not Matt Cardona, you know, because I knew <laughs> that that was probably the like the backstage uh, the, the Tony Khan budget of it all. You get to keep one friend, Cody. <laughs> one my, friend. My first thought was, oh, here's who actually would be Curtin jerking at the performance. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, Big Show made his AEW debut with a. No more BS shirt. Um, he made a face turn joke, which has kind of been done to death. It's the new my hole joke. We did it for uh, 30 with, minutes on this episode. Yeah, we did it for 30 <laughs> minutes. On the, I, that was actually one of my biggest laughs was a face turn joke where I shit on someone with cerebral palsy. <laughs> Guys. Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. Sorry. Sorry. We my, don't want the palsy sorry. community being mad at us. Yeah. No, I don't want. I don't want. We're going to get poorly bit. written letters. They're going to be. All uh, right. Come All on. Right. Let's not. Jesus Christ. That, that was a Bret Hart stroke joke, guys, not a palsy <laughs> joke. Um, um, so who do you think is going to be the big surprise this Sunday? People are saying Christian. People are saying Christian. Do you think it's going to be Christian? Do you think it's going to be Kurt Angle? Who do you think it's going to be, Mike? Well, he said star, so I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think uh, Sean Spears' best outcome is going to be... <laughs> The reveal. Um, and I like Christian. I think with, with Edge and Roman and all of that, you'll see Christian there. He's still, I think, going to be involved in, in some tangential way or whatever. You know, they have their uh, network show. So I don't think it'll be Christian. I don't think it'll be Punk. We all we all wanted to be the guy who said he didn't love us. Uh, we just wanted to say he loves us again. I don't think it will be. I I honestly think... It's going to be Big Show himself. I do. And I'm sorry in advance, but that's what it is. Oh, Jesus Christ. Robert? All right, here's a couple things. First, the no BS shirt is weird because Big Show is not Cesaro. He's not an internet hero who was never pushed in WWE and the fans love. WWE over-pushed him for so long and made him so much money that it's not like I'm finally free. Like <laughs> he main evented WrestleManias. He made a fortune and it's hard to take it seriously. And the, Oh, I'm finally out. I was worried he was going to be a bad commentator. And then when he mispronounced the name of the pay-per-view on his debut, I was like, thank God we signed him as far as who the big surprise is going to be. Um, it's not going to be Christian. Christian signed to a deal. Also, how he's not. He's oh, not. I thought he would. How TNA? No, that was a that was a one that was a one day deal. How TNA would it Rumble. be if they signed Christian? And that's their big star. Um, <laughs> it also goes to like AEW needs to have faith in who their stars. What if it was Tomko shows up and? Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I it's not going to it's not going to be Punk. I think you need to stop hyping. We're signing guys rather than make our guys seem like stars because it's yeah, continuing right. this problem that who I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be AJ Lee. I think if you're going for a Hall of Fame caliber, you need someone for the women's division for people to be excited about. And they know wow. if they bring. Yeah, I like that a lot. If you bring AJ in, people are going to be like, oh, this means they're going to get punk. It's a I think it's a good signing for for that. It's great for the women's. They need someone for that women's division uh, to make it remotely exciting. And it's going to be that little tease of like, okay, well, if we, if we hire your best friend, you're going to come here. And that's why they want to bring in AJ. Scott, what do you think? Who do you think is going to be? I mean, my biggest fear is is a Mark Henry. Uh, 
I, I, I do not want to see something like that happen. Kurt Angle, you know, you go, ooh, I love the idea of picturing him wrestling a Kenny Omega, but it's it's this current Kurt Angle. Yeah, I don't right. want that at all. Yeah, and then you go, okay, RVD, there. maybe Rob Van Dam, because God, I want Rob Van Dam versus all. The, I want Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn one more time. <laughs> but Rob Van Dam is, you know, the last time I saw him was like somewhere upstate New York, and he was fucking winded just by pointing at himself three times. And that guy is like, that guy's fucking for four hours a day. <laughs> like he yeah. can't, he does not have ring. He doesn't have, have ring stamina anymore. I mean, who? What Bully Ray? Oh, geez. that's what I thought too. I thought it could be it could be Bully Ray the promos. It could be fun, but you got Eddie Kingston. Well, the thing is, they said like Hall of Fame worthy, but does that mean they're oh, in the Hall of Fame? Because the Dudleys are. Yeah. Oh, oh, but but listen, so this is hurt. what Big Show said. Big Show could have fucked up. Like Big Show could have said something inaccurate. You know, maybe it's not Hall of Fame worthy. This, the, the whole time we think it's Easter eggs, and it's just Big Show doesn't know how to talk. <laughs> also, it's um, never a good idea to tease a surprise like this because it almost never pays off in wrestling. If anything, no. this should have been how you debut Big Show. There are so many better ways to have debuted Big Show. It should have been Tony Schiavone saying, we have signed a Hall of Fame caliber talent, and you're going to find out who it is at Revolution. And then if Big Show oh, walked man, out, that, that would been- be awful, though. <laughs> That would also be like Cause, awful. Because let's be honest, like, why would you debut him on a show where he's not even the biggest guy on the show? Like, because he's the big show. He, they know his value. He's the second biggest. He show. sucks. Zach was, much and so you have him now. host your YouTube thing. And well, you then get why some... would you pay for him, Scott? Because we don't know how much it is. What if it's what if it's not that crazy to Tony? There's Khan? no way that guy is working for anything less than to Tony Khan. Though you don't know, he's a giant that gets it's to walk half, around and half a million dollars. This, There's no way that guy's working for less than half a million dollars a year. My circus. It's all like a circus thing. But, Everybody wants to own a giant. But it's their repetitiveness. Like, they did a table spot in the Shaq match, then they did a table spot in the Young Bucks thing right after. You had Shaq come out, and he's huge. And you talk about how huge he is, and then you have Paul White come out, and you talk about how huge he is. It's like, just fucking read your own script. <laughs> All right, guys, let's keep going. Uh, Sting uh, had a promo with uh, – I know this is an order. Oh, I skipped over the uh, – there's the uh, women's tournament final. Ryu. It was great. It was great. Buzanami versus uh, now arose the right person won. Um, you know, they kind of had an, it, it was kind of a cool, you know, the shoulders back and forth. I don't know. It's, 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 it was a good, it was, it was a, uh, to their credit, it was a good tournament. And, uh, and you know, they didn't go with Nyla Rose again. I, I would not, I would have had this be the crowning of Britt Baker and just leave that title on her for as long as possible. But that's just me. Sting did a promo. It was fine. Uh, Max Caster no, went up. Was. Hold on. There we was, there was we a moment that happened that. in this because this <laughs> there was to Mike's point about not list. There was a moment in this that pissed me off to no end with uh, Brian Cage. So earlier in the show, Shaq goes to do the power bomb and he does the Brody Lee spot, the the putting your fingers to your lips and pushing it out. And it was great. It was a great moment. Brian Cage goes for a powerbomb and he does the exact same Brody spot where he goes to the powerbomb, does the does the Brody kiss to the crowd. Number one, you're doing the same thing that already happened in the show. Number two, it's a fucking babyface spot when you're heels who are trying to murder Sting. It's a level of stupid and disorganized that if, if I was 
he would have been fired for something as, as egregious as that because you're you're doing something that's wildly stupid. You're exposing you're not watching the show and you're doing a baby face spot when you're supposed to be doing a heel beatdown, which shows you have no idea what the hell you're doing. Meow. Well, also, here's the thing. Like, this is the same Sting segment that we've gotten, right, 12 weeks in a row. I, I, I keep saying it. I, I still want to know what he wants to tell Tony because he's never gotten the chance to. He always gets cut off. He, I think he's got cancer or something. Like, I think something's <laughs> wrong with Sting. And Team Taz just keeps interrupting him. Um, but if there was ever a time to put this, like, why would you not have this after the Shaq segment? Like, yep. right after, instead of your, your squad? Because here's the thing. I think Phoenix is a guy that is great enough in the ring that even people who don't watch wrestling can see him and be blown away. That match was not the match to do it. And it wasn't enough of a showcase for how amazing he is. And if you're getting fans who love, like they didn't even advertise Sting in the first hour of this show. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. The overlap, I would imagine, of people who watched for Shaq and were fans when Sting was around would probably be rather large. And they just squandered it. They, they, they still haven't figured out TV yet. No. Max Caster uh, went up against 10. Because this they still a- haven't figured out TV yet. <laughs> this was a match that happened um this was when i stopped enjoying the show so much but i liked everything up to this point i swear jack evans got paid by big money matt 4500 bucks to go take out um a member of the dark order look man i think it i think it's so awesome what they've done for brody lee's family i thought the tribute show was amazing can you just put a shirt on his son, though? It's just like a little creepy to have. Fucking Dan. Well, I know. I'm just saying, like a shirtless, masked kid. I don't know. Just something seems like a, just wear a Brody Lee shirt, right? I mean, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't. All right. It's just weird to me. It's just a little weird. That's all. I'm not. Look, I, it, it's it's very touching. I just just put a shirt on. I just it's uncomfortable. That's how I feel about giving ten TV matches. So I mean. We... <laughs> Uh, Hangman pay. I was gonna, I was gonna say about this. It's like this is one of those things where if you want to actually push dark as something, have this like be a substantial match on there or something. It just and because we also need to say needs to be pointed out like Scorpio Sky is trying, but he was not succeeding on commentary. Oh man, that poor guy. He was there to make you excited for the big show on commentary. <laughs> I think he was right, diagnosed uh, with Shelton Benjamin's disease. Yeah. All right. like, are you ready for Sunday's ladders match? He's like as ready as waking up and existing. <laughs> they were like, excellent. <laughs> Hangman, our main event, Hangman Page and John Silver defeated Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn. Not- uh, I like everybody in this match. It didn't seem like much of a, a main event. I mean, um, this is the week where every other no. week's opener got to be the closer. Yeah, yeah I feel and like then they, no, this I feel was like at the very end where it was the dark order. Show. Yeah, it was a battle royal at the end. This is this is uh, where there was the big schmaz. No, no, but even every go home show, they kind of uh, advertise last. They advertise a match that you really don't give a shit too much about. I don't know. S- Scott, uh, Dynamite, NXT, or Jim Cornette watching Dynamite? Um, well, no. The real thing was Jim Cornette watching the barbed wire match this weekend, the exploding that, barbed wire. That match. was, And yes. I will have to say, it is that. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Robert? I, I need that. Hornet. Mike? I mean, yeah, when you said spending time with my family, I was like, oh, that's a tough one. But Cornette, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to go with Cornette, too. I, I didn't love either show. This but week. also, they could have been the best shows ever, and it still would have been Cornette. Yeah. <laughs> you picked yeah. the yeah. third option. Dude, that's way better there's than nothing. The two shows we talked about. I, I've said this before. I'm going to say it on the podcast in hopes of willing it into existence. <laughs> but if we could somehow get Cornette on for a Young Bucks roast, I will suck Virgil's dick. <laughs> Uh, no, let's let's get to uh, our revolution predictions. Our revolution predictions. We are going to be reviewing Revolution uh, right after the show, and the episode will be released Monday morning. But uh, let's uh, let me uh, let me pull up this card and uh, see what you guys think. First off, we have the buy-in match, which will be at seven thirty. It is. Uh, Britt Baker and Reba, although she has made hints that she could be replacing Reba and people are saying it's going to be Zelina Vega. I, I have no I really have no idea, uh, but she went up against um, Thunder. She's going to be going up against Thunder Rosa and <sighs> Riho. Uh, what do you who do you guys got for this, Mike? Okay. Um, I, uh, predict people will turn on the show at eight o'clock. Um, <laughs> no, Absolutely. I think, I think Brit, I mean, Brit is amazing. I agree with you about the tournament. Like it should be, this is her, like, she's a star. She's awesome. She has so much charisma. I think her and Jade as a tag team would be amazing because Jade could do all the enforcing and she could do all the talking. So if it's her, that's awesome. Um, but I, th- I think Britt wins this one. Robert? Yeah, I think uh, I think Britt. It's just, this is her consolation prize. Scott? Agree. I'm going to go with Britt too. Zach? Britt. Casino Tag Team Royale. Who do you got, Scott? Oh, gosh, man. I mean, there's so many people, and it, 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 it none of it all. This match does not seem very important to me. Phoenix and Pac? Yeah. Pack, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only that's that's the only answer. What do you guys think, Robert? Top flight, Mike. I think top flight is kind of directionless. They're really good, and having that future tag title shot is just kind of like having the Money in the Bank briefcase, so they can keep wrestling and be like, these guys have a future shot, and building up them against whoever the tag champs are is pretty exciting. Mike, who do you got? I I just, you know, another plot hole here. Did they ever mention why Penta and Ray are? together i know that penta's in the ladder match and and he didn't have to compete to get in it and ray did and he lost like was there ever a story there or this is just their bad no. booking okay um i wouldn't say it's bad they're booking. Three they're brothers they're, they're three. three yeah no it's they're, death triangle they? they're in a stable death triangle exactly and yeah they might be the lucha brothers but sometimes a friend like pack comes along and becomes a brother dude you know what i'm saying <laughs> i guess them i mean they're the closest thing to Fully developed characters, so I'll go then. Miro and Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Who do you got, Zach? I didn't know this match was happening. Miro. <laughs> I'm going to go with Miro, too. Mike? Me in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Scott, I think Miro, and I think Miro might end up being uh, in that stable with Tully. Oh, I would oh, love that's, that. Yeah, that. That's actually that's a good poll. Scott? 
Yeah, Miro. And then I hope he shows up on TV on Wednesday and acts completely different. Just says he has like seasonal depression and spring is coming and he's feeling better. And yeah. Yeah. Robert? I'd rather watch Mike in the bathroom. So at least that'll be short. Uh, <laughs> Robert, I have Crohn's and no, it is not. Uh, oh, never mind. And- and look, spoiler alert, Mike has a huge dick. Keep going, Robert. Uh, it, it, it has to be Miro or else, uh, you know, he's he's got to beg for his release and just pray to go back to Vince. Here's the thing. I have a, I have a big dick and I'm a huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. So I will be blocking Robert from Twitter any day now. <laughs> Face. <laughs> Face of the Revolution ladder match. Man, that is a tortured title. Cody Rhodes versus Scorpio Sky versus... Penta El Zero Miedo versus Lance Archer versus Max Caster versus a mystery man. I'm going to go with the mystery man, Mike. Uh, Jake tries to fuck one of the ladders. Uh, that's fair, <laughs> Robert. Uh, to win the open the face the revolution ladder title. Uh, I think based on his promo skills, it's got to be Scorpio Sky. <laughs> Scott. I think it's the mystery guy, and I'm excited to see who it's going to be, because who could it be? Ethan, Ethan Page. Page, maybe? Yeah, maybe Ethan Page. That's all I could think. Zach? Mystery guy. It is kind of weird that the mystery guy wins. Like, the face of the revolution. The guy we just signed from WWE. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Adam Page versus Matt Hardy in a big money match. I mean, does anyone not have Adam Page for this? No. Oh, it better be Adam Page. Okay. I, I mean, Jesus Christ. They better not fucking sacrifice another one of their guys for to Matt. Brian Cage and Ricky Starts. First, Darby Allen and Sting. I mean, again, this has got to be Sting and Darby Allen. Does anyone have anything different? Yeah, it needs to needs be. To be. No. Yeah, young, but this is actually a pretty easy pay per view to predict. Uh, the Young Bucks versus the Inner Circle. This, I mean, I, I still think it's. I think it's going to be the Bucks. Uh, I, I, God, I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I kind of hope they end this Jericho MJF thing because both of them could be used on the roster, helping building other guys who aren't as good as promos. Um, but instead, you know, they have them as a team and, you know, it's just been very WCW-esque as far as like, as far as like the faction, you know, infighting. I don't know, man. It, it just, it really wasn't for me. It, it isn't for me, even though I love, I love those two guys. I just, I, 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 I want to see them break up soon just so they can go on and do other things. Who do you got? Young Bucks or Inner Circle, Mike? I say this is Sammy comes back and cost uh, MJF and Jericho and Sammy is revealed as the Hall of Fame level talent that Big Show was promising because he forgot that he's actually on the roster already. <laughs> Robert. Uh, exactly what Mike said. I had written Bucks are going to win because of Sammy. Scott. Bucks win, but uh good brothers as well as sammy there's gonna be you know more going on maybe some papa papa buck makes a cameo they're gonna do like a triple super kick (laughs) he blows pot smoke in uh you know in jericho's Uh, face and he's like what the fuck their dad is like the prototypical trump hippie you know Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah uh, kiroshida versus um the person that I just said, who I don't have her name. Right, I mean, she is going to win, right? Anyone else? Yeah, okay. but I think this match is going to be awesome. And I think you knew I think this match yeah. is going to be awesome. Kenny O and our main event, a bar exploding barbed wire death match. 
Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Does anyone not have Kenny Omega? Nope. No, I have Kenny Omega, but it would be interesting if he lost because if he loses, uh, that means he's going overseas or something. Because why would you have him lose? So well, I think we, we could. Hopefully, we see the debut of Okada here, but I don't think that's possible, right? I don't think it's possible. He just wrestled today in Japan. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening. He would have to quarantine for too long. Well, I guess he wouldn't technically in America. You no, don't Jer- have to, right? Jericho cleared him. Back, you Jericho said he's fine. <laughs> 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 Holy right. shit! What if it's fucking Naito because he lost to Okan today? No, it wouldn't be him. <laughs> you had a whole conversation with I yourself there. Yeah. Number ten, uh, mark out moment of the week. I'll start off first. I have two. I have turkey tits. Obviously, shout out to Conrad Thompson, our podfather. Uh, but I also am going to say, you know, on Sunday night after, um, I forget what I even watched on Sunday night, but after the Golden Globes, that's right, that's what I watched. I watched Ring of Honor. And the main event between Roosh and Shane Taylor was great. And it just, the reason this was a markout moment for me is there is just so much good wrestling on right now. And like, like a promotion that I don't even pay attention to, like uh, delivered in a match, you know, a cold match for me, you know, I thought Shane Taylor was an excellent promo and uh, Roosh in the ring is, is, is awesome. What was your markout moment of the week, Mike? I'm gonna go with uh I would say fuck I had it so up in my head. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go oh, we can go back. We can go back. I'm gonna go to Jade Cargill doing uh like flexing while she had someone in the figure four. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was like something I'd never seen before. Maybe Scott Steiner did it at some point, but it was just a hilarious, like dominant heel moment oh and i i didn't uh pick who who i thought uh sting and uh yeah i do think it will be sting and darby because it already has been for the last 14 weeks <laughs> i'm just i'm just robert, excited to see this feud be over yeah my market moment of the robert. week uh has to be lashley winning the title for two reasons one just as an old school wrestling fan to have a world title change on free TV growing up for years, not getting to watch pay-per-views live. Like that was always a big deal. There was a world title change that happened on free TV this week. Um, I was there for Lashley's debut. I I got to see when they told him, Hey, you're going to be on TV tonight for the first time and how excited he was. And I knew the promise and potential that he had and was squandered for so long. It's a great redemption story. And I'm genuinely happy for Lashley. Scott. Uh, mark out moment. Uh, okay. The, there was a submission hold that El Desperado put Kota Ibushi in the last <laughs> two minutes of the match today. I thought that was awesome. But then also, dude, Shaq going through the table. It's perfect. It's, it's pro wrestling. I loved the shit out of it. I could not believe the match was working out the entire time, and it was just blowing my mind that it didn't suck. You, you so, know, yeah, you know what's interesting is that, like, I, I read like someone saying like, yeah, it was only that good because they mapped it all out. I'm like, yeah, do that more. Like that's yeah, why yeah. Fine. The, the great warrior matches or like, you know, Savage Steamboat. It's like, yeah. Well, why, why is there such, why is there such hatred towards mapping stuff out? Wrestling would yeah, be better if it was scripted. <laughs> <laughs> I know like the whole, like, yeah, two guys can have like a, a wing it match where they do a bunch of kickouts and the same shit you see every week on NXT, but it's like, mapping it out and being like oh you know what 
we did do this, you know, so let's do this. Like that helps. So I, I think, I think that shit's great sometimes. Zach, did you have one for this week? Lashley winning the title for sure. By a wide margin. You know, I'm, maybe I'm going to switch my choice to Lashley winning the title. Like seeing those like for real tears in his eyes was, was pretty, was pretty great. It was a great moment. And I, I think, you know, you got to give TNA some credit in terms of, both Lashley and McIntyre went there after kind of not great WWE runs and became main eventers. Do we have, did we ever come up with, who do you think, do you think Lashley has a sillier voice than Brock? No, yes. no. Yes. Okay. Seth Rollins. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally Lex Luger. <laughs> it really is like like the four guys i i mentioned it's like the mount rushmore of sounding like you're angry at your older brother like, stop stop you know don't hurt me <laughs> the stuff sounds like it. yeah clear angry issues this sound like cartman being the penguin right now <laughs> All right, folks, we are uh, going to be back next week with the roast of Virgil. Uh, Patreon, we're going to have Revolution. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in the past week. Teddy Hart is going to be next week's Patreon. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to put the roast of the big show on it. Uh, the roast of Bret Hart is already on there. So uh, check that out. And uh, do you guys have anything? Oh, oh, please, if you're a new listener, give us five stars. Uh, leave a review. Tell your friends about it. Uh, and thanks for sticking around. Thanks for sticking for the for the you know the second second roast in a row. I mean, you know, it's our fourth roast in a row, but the second roast, I think, where we actually knew what we were doing. Yeah. Mike, what do you uh, what do you have to promote? They left already, Dan. If They're a, gone. They're gone. If a best friends match can get five stars, then god damn it, our podcast can too. That's a good point. You know, MikeLawrenceComedy.com and uh, buy my album. Uh, Scott and Robert. Listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days with Brennan Sagalow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH and at ProWrestlingTees.com. There's a sale going on right now. I got a couple of shirts up there, the ones that you've seen me wear during the roast. Uh, the keyword is madness. Save you some money. Thanks for listening. I don't know. Zach? Wash your hands. See you next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs>